podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. On the channel, we have interviews, podcasts and content on all sorts of subjects from wrestling, football, films, TV, conspiracy theories, music and more. We have our unique series, Unscripted and Uncensored, where we let the people ask the guests the questions and decide what we talk about, which is always a good time. Always have uh, an interesting experience because you never know what people are going to ask we've had uh, all sorts of different uh, characters and guests on that show from ufc stars to cage warriors fighters to boxers to footballers uh, an actor a clothes designer whatever you want we've got we also have our interesting series my story which is where we take our guests through their life and career and uh, they share an- anecdotes and memories as we go along always a good time and we've got a new show of that coming out sunday with former wbo world champion robbie regan uh, which i'm really looking forward to everyone hearing because he's he's an exceptional exceptional boxer exceptional man and he's a really really interesting dude so uh, it's going to be good tonight we are talking wrestling this is an episode of keeping it real with my buddy andrew thompson uh, i'm also recording another wrestling show later in the week with talk sport us editor alex mccarthy and we're gonna have a chat about the, the graps but tonight we are talking wrestlemania nights one and two the wild and weird wrestlemania like never before uh, and joining me to take us through it all is none other than post wrestling writer and interviewer youtube interviewer in his own right also videographer for baller tv hey <laughs> andrew thompson cut custom url custom on the youtube <laughs> andrew thompson interviews subscribe so what's how going on doing? brother how you doing i'm okay man i'm a bit bit tired and sore but i'm good because obviously i watched wrestlemania i think I fell asleep. Um, what did I? I watched up to them about thirty minutes into the Edge match live, which is really good for me because, like, normally uh, it's too late and I just watch it the next morning. But it started a bit earlier um, in the UK than it normally does, so I watched about half of it last night. But um, I only had a few hours sleep and then. Yeah, and then I watched the rest so you, this morning. You grinded on the on the podcast, man. You the UK is you Cardiff Cardiff I mean you Cardiff Conrad Thompson going hard with the uh the podcast. Oh yeah. Doing man. Something different like, all the time. Last couple of weeks we've had like four or five shows out every week. Different guests, different subjects, all sorts of stuff. Um apart from the shows I mentioned, which I got coming out this week, I'm recording uh show obviously recording this now with you i just done a live show tomorrow i'm recording an episode of the boot and the limp with stand-up comedian barry phillips which is um basically that's like our x-rated adult only podcast where we 
we swear lots and just talk oh. about we talk about the world and just he Barry's like a stand-up comedian so he's very very funny but um okay. yeah we just don't hold back and we just talk a lot of no you know, when, you, when you say x-rated i'm out th- my mind went somewhere else bro yeah we, I both, th- we, we both sit there <laughs> naked and you know, <laughs> stare, stare at each other <laughs> no it's uh it's good fun because it's it's nice to to uh to, you know to just let loose and we don't we don't watch our language we exchanged last week we exchanged a load of jokes which were quite filthy and then just you know we just have a bit of fun nice and relaxed and uh yeah probably not one for the easily offended but um it's nothing too bad like it's just a lot of swearing so like for people who don't like swearing that show is probably not for you um but I was say I, I I I was listening to this uh like you said comedy and laughing and stuff. I was thinking about so uh you know MVP is right yeah yeah he he was on um Instagram live and he was talking about when he went to visit the um the UK one time and he was at one of his friends' party. It was like a real fancy party, like real big party, and um he he went in there and it was like a back room, like I guess it was like the VIP room. There's a whole bunch of uh lovely looking young ladies in there and he went in there and he said they ain't pay like not a bit of attention to him like acted like he wasn't even there like completely so he he went over there he went over there and asked one of the one of the girls uh to pass him like a bottle of wine or something like that and she 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 looked at him she was like are you a yank and her whole her, her, and her whole whole demeanor change and that's what everybody they said that's what everybody started talking to him once they found out he was an american it was yeah, hilarious man. bro like the, the the accent he did was, was hilarious. That's what killed. He was like, "Are you a Yank?" That <laughs> was hilarious. That was hilarious, bro. But yeah, me and me and Sai, we're we're gonna be recapping WrestleMania 36 live from the live from the Performance Center. A whopping attendance of zero. It was a lively, lively place tonight with Mr. Wow. Byron Saxton, Tom Phillips, uh, and JBL yeah, and Michael Cole on commentary. JBL why didn't they hey, have Corey do, Graves? He quarantined with Carmella. But he was on the that, that that was pre-recorded. Mm. Yeah, but it was all pre-recorded, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I I think the um the um what's the name show was the 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 pre-show was before like WrestleMania was taped. Oh, okay. Because I was confused. I just thought if he was able to do the pre-show, why didn't he do the commentary? But all right. I, I'm just not a fan of JBL's commentary at all. Hey, would um, you rather have JBL or Jerry the King Lawler? Oh, God. <laughs> I think I'd rather have Jay. Yes, Jerry. exactly. Whoa, whoa. You, you, you Jay Jerry. Jay Jerry or Jay Jerry L. I don't really want either. Um, but then that, that hurt it a little bit for me is that I don't really like JBL. I'm not a massive fan of Byron Saxton. So I had like one commentator on either partnership which i didn't really like uh but we'll get into the commentary because there was a there was a certain match on my night two where i thought the commentary absolutely made the match so much worse because um, <laughs> it was like they were commentating on golf or snooker or something it was really weird like but and did you not notice that in the edge match yeah they were quiet they were like Oh, and he's done an RKO. 
Oh yeah, my god! It was quiet the whole match for the most part. So weird, like it just didn't fit. Um, what did you I, think overall of the two nights? I thought it was good for what it was. I I actually enjoyed it. It was like because I went in there with like not not low expectations of the in ring quality, but low expectations of like the excitement because it was no crowd. So I thought that was yeah. gonna take a lot away from the show, but it was actually way better than I thought it was. I enjoyed the show. Like, I mean, I, I, it was some finishes I really didn't agree with, but I mean, oh, at the, at at the end of the day, I mean, they still went out there and they did it, and I wasn't bored on Saturday and Sunday night. So, it is. Yeah, I went in like I like I said to you, I've been uh, struggling to really and get into the matches in AEW and WWE, just with the empty arenas. It just takes something away from it. And I have struggled, even with some of the really good matches, I've struggled to get into it. Um, and that's not because the the, the in-ring, you know, quality or storytelling has been bad. I just, the atmosphere, it just feels kind of flat and a bit weird. Uh-oh. No, he's back. Is there... Yeah. Um, it just feels like a bit weird. The atmosphere feels a bit flat and strange. But like you just said, both night one and night two, there was no point where I was bored. I I was in, I enjoyed. I'd say I was. I paid attention to everything. Um, I never looked at my phone, or kind of got distracted, which I think is a good thing. Um, and I think that WrestleMania should be two nights forever. Mm. Okay, we, we, I'm, I'm I'm actually interested to see what they they do going forward. Since seeing as how it was a, some it was, it was somewhat of a success for the two night event. But see, the thing with that is now, do you like you know because ticket prices are going to go up if they decide to do you know a two part WrestleMania that extends people's travels somewhat. You know, it, 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 it's a, it's a lot of factors that come in with it, and like I, I think with. The, the thing with New Japan, I think the thing that they had like such an, an advantage going into that as far as attendance and stuff like that is because they announced that that was announced like a year in advance. So people yeah. already knew what was going on, like it, it was at least six or seven months in advance. People already knew it was going to be a two night event. So you could prepare for that financially and stuff like that. But see, WWE didn't really have to worry about that, you know, as far as yeah. the people come and go. Like it was just like this is going to be two nights. But see, if they try to do this in, you know, in ne- next year in, in Englewood with, however many people is going to be there, 70,000, 60,000, I think they need to announce this, like, around they, yeah, around something, like, you need to announce this ASAP, like, yeah. yeah. But I'm, I do, I gotta say, I much prefer two nights of, oh, yeah, three, definitely. Three hours and a bit than one night of eight, eight hours. hours. Yeah, hell yeah, definitely. But the problem and is, I just think that with a crowd, they will extend, if they, even if they do two nights, they'll extend it, so they'll do, like, four or five hours on each mm. night and i don't need that like three three and a half hours you you you, you want to know one thing i really enjoyed honestly keep the Why keep the pre house? keep the pre-show match at one please like i, see, I don't you... mind the pre-show matches um i don't mind having three pre-show matches with the third one being like a main event so like you know when they've had like the cruiserweight title on the pre-show where it's been like a like Neville versus, I can't remember who it was, Neville versus someone or, or a oh, women's title. Yeah. I don't mind that if they do it like properly, like the UFC does, where they build up the car each match 
and make it more important so that when you get to that cruiserweight title or whatever, like the main event of the pre-show, it feels special. It still it doesn't have to be two hours long the pre-show though, even if you do that, because I don't need to see all those video packages and into you know just give me the interviews which they do which you've never seen before with the different stars and that's it i don't need to see i don't need to see a panel of former wrestlers giving their predictions on a predetermined event i don't need that for my pre-show i'd rather see three matches a couple of interviews with wrestlers who have got matches to build up their you know their matches later in the night and then that's it i don't need to see video packages which i've seen 10 million times on raw and smackdown that's just my yeah I, I think nxt actually does like the pre-shows correct because it's only 30 minutes yeah like, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's it's not really filled with video it's more so just you know interview just a quick quick recap you know of everything that's gonna go down tonight and then they straight into the show and the 30 minutes just fly back then like the last five minutes of the show with somebody coming out hyping to show up like pat McAfee or somebody like that just mm. you know just taking you know just killing some time I, I think that's that's always cool. But for night one of WrestleMania, we had Cesaro against Drew Gulak. Cesaro defeated Drew Gulak just under five minutes. Uh, Cesaro rolled back his old finishing maneuver, which he used on his, from his days on the independent scene. The airplane spin torture rack finish maneuver. I thought that was hella cool. Cesaro's the man. Uh, I'm glad that they – I mean, I'm not really going to complain about the time because they, they got a lot in, in that short period of time. Um, and it, it was good to see that there was no interference. They just had a – you know, a straightforward match, and both of them got to get their stuff in. Yeah, I think um, for what it was, it was good. I um, would you here's a question for you quickly, just to, not to digress for too long. Um, would you like to see Drew Gul- Drew Gulak join Sami Zayn's stable and turn on Daniel Bryan? Uh, no, I, I I would honestly rather see Drew Gulak just come to the realization that he helped Daniel Bryan get that title shot. So so. Like it's like more of a thing where Drew Good like well, since you couldn't get it done, maybe well, I'll get it done. And he actually yeah. gets it done. And then that leads to something between him and Daniel Bryan. And you know, we got we finally get that rematch because they had a banger at Elimination Chamber. So yeah, you know, yeah, I, I think yeah, we'd like to that. see that. I'd also wouldn't be against the Drew Gulak and Daniel Bryan tag team, um, where they just portray a couple of shooters and then especially if they end up doing a tag team tournament now after Mania. Um because I do feel they could do with building up the tag team division on both shows. Um, and I feel like a, like a maybe a, either one big, huge tournament between both brands of tag teams or some sort of like couple of tournaments just to, to really cement some tag teams. Because it went like, you know, the revival is nowhere to be seen and they're probably leaving. We need to get some solid tag teams going. So you could have Gulak and... Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, and Nakamura. Um, the, obviously, the three from the title match. Uh, heavy Machinery. Who else of you? I wouldn't mind seeing a tag team come up. Cedric there. Alexander and Ricochet. No, and Ricochet's got to. He's got to go, and they've got to give him. Ricochet ain't doing nothing, bro. They've got to do something with him. He's he gonna be, be in the tag. Be in the tag team with Cedric if Alexander. They, if they don't make Ricochet a main event level star within by 2024 then i think he goes down as one of the biggest failures of all time in on their their behalf oh okay um because 
he has everything you need. He, I know his mic skills are not up to it. Um, and I think he could do with a manager. And if he if he ever turns heel, they need to put him with either Sami Zayn or Selena Vega and push him to the moon because he is so talented. It's so exciting in the ring. And this, get rid of that. Oh, superheroes are real, man. Shit. Because <laughs> do you know what was even worse than the superheroes are real? Was, oh, I'm just an ordinary guy. But you're not an ordinary guy because you can do triple twisting fucking backflips. And, you know, normal people can't do those things. Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, I'm grumpy. I'm tired, so I'm grumpy. <laughs> This is about, about to be a fun. It's about to be a fun podcast, man. Oh yeah, that's it. Tonight, but yeah, so Cesar got the W over Drew Gulak in four minutes. Uh, next next up oh, to kick. Sorry to interrupt you, Cesaro, another one who should have been in at least a few main events and had at least a few world title shots, even if he hadn't won the title. Another wasted talent on their behalf because they don't know how to book. Sorry, I say I would like speaking on Cesaro. I always found it interesting when Vince Man did that interview with Stone Cold on the network. And Stone Cold asked him about Cesaro, and he was just like, Cesaro was just missing, like, I, I guess that one thing. Like, and I don't know what, like, I, I can't remember what that one thing I, I don't know if it had something to do with his mic skills or I think it was more his personality, or yeah, his yeah, yeah, per- personality. Yeah, that's what it don't was. You, don't you think since that interview, um. There's been like he's done various different kind of gimmick changes, not massive gimmick changes, but just slight alterations to his gimmick. He tried, bro. He's shown that he's actually a really funny dude and he's got a really good personality and he connects with the audience every time. Real quick, I I think that's another thing just a disconnect of what that person sees themselves as and what WWE wants them to be. Or what yeah. Vince McMahon wants them to be, like you even heard that during you know, the Luke Harper interview. Vince McMahon only saw Luke Harper as this big Southern dude who beat the hell out of people. Luke Harper was like, "Bro, I'm from Rochester, New York. I can speak well. I'm like he's very well spoken. Yeah. I'm very badass. I got like I can go in the ring. I can actually talk. Like you can do so much more with me. But all Vince McMahon saw is like this big redneck." He just saw Bruiser Brody, didn't he? It, it, probably, but and it's the same thing with Cesaro. He probably see like this, just this Bruiser of a dude who's strong as hell. He can go in the ring with anybody, and you no, know, Cesaro's probably like, bro, I'm, I'm funny as hell. Like I can do other stuff, but I mean, that's I just think, hey. But look, when you sign that contract, bro, hey. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. Do you know where I think they dropped the ball the most in terms of getting him to a main event level? Is you know when they went through that period of giving Paul Heyman different guys. And he had uh, Cesaro and Ryback and Curtis uh, Axel. I thought when he went, Curtis Axel was the man. Well, I thought Cesaro, when he went with Heyman, I thought they gave up on it too quickly because I actually feel like Heyman, I think if they'd stuck with that, I think Heyman could have got him over as a killer and as a, as a, like a, you know, a machine of a, a wrestling machine that kind of, um, a thousand holds and submission and a bruiser and I feel like he could have got over with Heyman as his manager but they gave up on it quite quick and Curtis Axel got over for a, for a short time with that and I just think you want to ask title yeah and I just think with Cesaro they just gave up on him a bit quick 
even um, when they had that horrible We the People gimmick, when they did the turn finally, he was over as hell and they just gave up on it like weeks later. They Every time he, he gets over, they give up on him. He should have he should have had a chat at the title after um he won the Andre the Jam Memorial Battle Royal. Well, that's the that's the the massive issue, isn't it? Every time someone wins that battle royal, they win nothing. Yeah, some stakes to it. Like you need to earn the title yeah. shot or something. Like make it mean something. Like Arn Anderson, Arn Arn Anderson had this great idea, bro, of that match when he was like he like he initially thought that the big show should have won the first three Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royals and then that fourth time, like when people get so used to it, they're gonna be like, oh yeah, big show winning shit every year is whatever. And then you have somebody else win it, like a Cesaro. And then that's yeah. when that's when you add stakes to it and you make it mean something like after that. Cause then it's like you already established that the big show is like the ultimate winner of this match. Yeah, and then yeah. you just all you just do the swerve one year and then people go pop for it and go crazy. And then you end up, you know, putting some stakes to that match and then just keep ruining it from there. But this is like a pre-show thing to just take up time every year. But so. when you go back and watch the one that Cesaro won, the crowd popped big, big. Oh, yeah, them. they went crazy. And they it's went like, crazy. All they need to do is say, um, whoever wins the Andre the, Battle, Andre the Giant Battle Royal can have a title shot of their choice, but they're not allowed a world title shot or something because otherwise it's just, it's just what's the point in the Royal Rumble? And money in the bank that follows. Yeah. So you just say you can have a shot at the IC title, the US title, the tag team titles, the cruiserweight title, the NXT title, but you can't have a shot at the or the North American title, but you can't have a shot at the the world, the three world titles. And I just think that straight away, say who won it last year? Braun Strowman. So you have Braun Strowman wins it, and he goes right. I won a US title shot, and he goes after the US title. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, ne- ne- next up on the card, we had Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeating Kyrie Sane and Oscar for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. What did I tell you before? Just when we talked minutes. about this, what did I tell you, man? We both what said it. Yeah, we we we, we both called it. Yeah, we, we 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 both said that they were gonna. Uh, it we we think that uh, the Kabuki Warriors should retain, but for as far as what WWE had planned, we both knew that Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were gonna win. Uh, I'm interested to see what they're going to do since Friday Night SmackDown is going to be live uh, this Friday. Um, what, what, what did you, first of all, what did you think about the match uh, overall and you know the decision to take the titles off Kyrie and Oscar? And do you think that this may be the, you know, Oscar jumping back into the singles division? Uh, so firstly, um, I thought the match was much better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I really enjoyed it. They kept me engaged. Nikki Cross is really good. I don't like her gimmick. Um, I think it's really goofy. I'd like to see her in a more serious kind of gimmick where she's a bit like aggressive, but like in a more um, like serious way. She could still be like crazy and stuff like she is, but I'd like to see her not go away from like the Alexa Bliss light gimmick, if that makes sense. Um, but the match overall, I really enjoyed. Um, you know, Alexa Bliss is talented as hell. Um, Oscar is one of one of my favorite wrestlers in the world, male or female. Uh, and Kyrie Zane's elbow drop is just a thing of beauty. She is she is they, as a team, they're so talented, and I wouldn't be against. Normally, I'd be against just putting the three Asian ladies together, 
but I would not be against keeping Oscar and Kyrie Zane as a tag team and bringing up. Um, so I wouldn't be against having given them a rematch on Friday. Um, and as Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross look like they're about to win, Io Shirai pops up through the thing or from under the apron and cracks Alexa Bliss with like a big kick or something and they win the titles back and they do have a trio uh, a nice stable of killer Japanese women um, and Io Shirai go after the um, the singles title and maybe to prolong the build for Sasha Bailey which we'll talk about in a bit um, you could add in Io Shirai as like a third. The only problem with adding her straight to the title picture would be obviously that if she doesn't win, she's going to look like Rhea and Shayna. Um, but I would like to see Io Shirai as the third member of this team. I think it would be really unique if they all refuse to speak a lot of English and scream in Japanese while killing fools. Um, the decision to put Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross over. We predicted it. Um, I still, I thought it was dumb then. I think it's dumb now. Um, I wanted to see the Kabuki Warriors have a long reign into this year. And then when they finally lost, I had no problem if they lost to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross at SummerSlam or Survivor Series, but in front of a crowd to get that big pop, I didn't see the need to take titles off them now. It seems counterproductive yeah I, I agree i think for the most part i think uh i don't think alexa bliss and nikki cross um should have won the titles but you know that's where we at now as far as eo shirai joining the kabuki warriors I, I don't think that's a good idea because i i don't i, don't, I just don't think the reception of that is gonna be as good as people might think I, I just think it's a lot of you know connotations that's gonna come with that that a lot of people like i just i just don't think that's a good idea i think you need to separate like because I, I, like that's kind of the same thing is like just putting like every black wrestler together and like like it's it, 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 it's like sort of the same thing like it I, just pairing I, up most Japanese wrestlers yeah, together. Yeah, I do understand that, um, and I think I would have been against it initially if you'd said to me before they put the Kabuki Warriors together, but um, because they've worked so well together and got over so much, I think adding like a killer third could be a good way to give them a little boost after losing the titles. And also you've got a triple threat or a breakaway sing singles feud in your back pocket at any time where you could do, you could have them implode and do a triple threat, which would be incredible. Or you could have an Oscar versus, you know, Shirai where they kind of fight over leadership or, you know, there's many ways you could go. However, I say all that. I'm also very happy to see Io Shirai win the ladder match and face Charlotte Flair and kick her blonde ass. <laughs> that was bullshit. But anyway. So um, uh, uh, the, uh, for my prediction, I think this Friday we're probably going to see the Iconics return and challenge Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the titles. I think that'll be something very interesting. Iconics haven't been on TV, and I can't even remember how long. So it'll be interesting to see if they make a return and, you know, get back into the women's tag think, team division. I think they'll drop the titles quite quickly. No, they don't not at all. They don't care about the 
um, the the women's tag team titles, they don't seem to mind hot potatoing them around a little bit. So I'm not going to be hugely surprised if we was to see um, them drop the titles relatively soon. Maybe not this week, but you know, in the next couple of weeks or next month, I wouldn't be surprised to see them drop the titles. I've got to be honest, but you never know. So next up, we had Elias versus Baron Corbin in a singles match. I honestly, truthfully, been uh, to be told, I did not think this match was going to be as bad. I mean, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be yeah, a yeah, a slow one, and it really wasn't that bad. They worked real hard, and and I really liked that Baron Corbin actually talked doing the like the one thing that I really liked from these empty arena shows that they did over the past two days was that the, so you can like some some wrestlers trash talk during those dead silence periods, and I really liked that because it kind of cut off most of the silence. And I think Elias and Baron Corbin both did a good job, especially Baron Corbin. Uh, Elias got the Got the roll-up, went over Baron Corbin, pulled the tights after Baron Corbin tried to cheat the win, but Elias caught him. And I think it was a good win for Elias. Elias should be wrestling more, really should be. And I I, I really hope this is the beginning of him actually getting in the ring more. But it was a good match. Yeah, I agree. I um, was dreading. This was one of the ones I was really not looking forward to. Um, I liked that Elias went straight after him and, uh, and hit him with the guitar before the match because that makes sense um because obviously he got thrown off a balcony so he's going to be pissed off um anyone would want a bit of revenge i was a bit disappointed he wasn't really uh like selling any injuries uh coming into the match like he was just you know he was all fine i would have liked to have seen him you know maybe have some ribs taped up or or limping away to the ring to show that that you know that falling from that height had caused him an issue, but you know it was fine. This was okay. Um, I'm glad that Elias got the win. I was surprised that Elias got the win. I did think Corbin would, you know, they like Corbin. Uh, I like Corbin in the ring. I just wish they'd do some better stuff with his character because he can cut a good promo. He's a good heel. He's inventive in the ring. He changes it up in the ring. Corbin has everything. They just keep misstepping with his booking of his character. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I th- you know, again, I think the match was really solid. You know, for what it was overall, yeah. and I'm 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 kind of glad Elias got the win. And you know, hopefully, like again, I think this is you know, hopefully, it's the beginning of him you know stepping into the ring more. I think this is up his wheelhouse like these you know nine minute ten minute matches he don't need to be going 20 minutes 25 minutes like uh, unless it's with you know with one of those like elite level guys in the wwe but i think it's real like these type of matches are real good for last um that next up sir we had a match that i was actually surprised was for a fourth on the card um i thought this was gonna be later on in the show but we had becky lynch uh defeating that's right defeating Shayna baszler for the Raw Women's Championship. I actually thought they were going to, you know, crown Shayna as the next head honcho of the women's division on Raw. Uh, they did not see it that way. Uh, you know, before I get to your thoughts, I, uh, let me ask you, were you, well, let's get straight to it. Were you surprised that this match was, well, well for, yeah, first let me say this. Were you surprised that this match was as early as it was on the card? Um, once I saw that it was this early, I was surprised by the result if that makes sense like i kind of assumed it was going to go on later um and shana would win when it came on this early 
I thought for definite Shayna was going to win because they and they didn't want to put like the babyface losing at the end of you know towards the end of the card or something. But um, so for this one, out of all the the various, there was a few matches where people were a bit puzzled by the booking, um, and I was. I I felt that the way they've booked Shayna, she had to win. It was the right time for Becky to. We discussed it in the preview show that it was the right time for Becky to lose, go away, and then come back for the redemption arc of it, like a Rocky three. Um, but I also understand them prolonging this feud by having, I think Shayna will bring in the horsewomen now as backup, but to like mess with Becky and beat her down and all that sort of stuff. And I think they're trying to, I think they want, I think they will give the title to Shayna, but I think they'll wait until they have fans in the arena, even if they've got to drag it out of it. Yeah. I, I, I think that's kind of the same. And, and and also the thing I think is um like, I, I, I was real surprised about the finish of the match, but I think like at the end of it, I kind of thought, I mean, they, they, they are taping SmackDown live this week and I think Raw is going to be live as well, but they don't, they don't truly know like when things are going to go back to normal. And I think that they rather just like have somebody that they, you know, have Becky Lynch there who's already established. And then you don't have to worry about just not building Shayna back up. And then it, like, whenever you guys do resume, it's like, she's just cold. You know what I mean? Like you, you rather have somebody yeah, there yeah. who who's already established and you already built up, which I understand. But uh, just as far as like the time limit of the match goes, they they went shorter than uh Corbin and Elias, and I feel like towards the end of Becky and Shane's match, that's when they started getting real physical and it started yeah, actually getting good. Just, and, it, and, and then it got yeah, and then it got cut off right at the end. And the way Becky won, it was it it was hella surprising. Like I, I like I, I kind of like the the shock factor part of it because it's hard to draw that in with no fans. But it's yes. like. Yeah, but I, 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 I was surprised. I, one thing I did like about the finish was it was the same finish that they did with, I think it was uh, Kyrie Sane, where she reversed the the Kirifuda choke, uh, Kirifuda clutch into a pin in the same way. And I like that, that, that um, it's like a callback, but also it shows that when Shayna gets that move, she gets overconfident, so maybe that's like a like a hole in her game. And I'd like for Becky to address that on Monday's Raw and say that I, you know, I spotted that hole in your game in your fight with. I watched back your 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 match with Kyrie Sane. I saw that there was a weakness there, and I exploited it and kind of do it that way and sh- kind of show that. Becky was taking her very seriously and she did her homework and there uh, and Shayna maybe was a little bit overconfident. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. But that sense I would like to see Becky, you know, address that holding the game. And that's a good point about Kyrie saying I, I can't remember which takeover that was, uh, but I do think that was uh, that's a solid callback to those two. Um, again, I think we both agree with that. The match was just starting to get heated up before it ended. So, you know, hopefully, you know, then the next time they come across cross pass, uh it it it'll be it'll be a longer match. But I I do think that this is sort of like the Kickstarter to the four horsewomen yes. versus four horsewomen match. Like I I think this is like the, the beginning long of that. Term. Yeah, long term, long term booking, long term booking. 
they've been going they've been you know teasing that horsewoman match for about two years now so i think we may finally get it It, it'll be cool to see um next up on the card we had Sami Zayn. another another surprise finish to me we had Sami Zayn with cesaro and shesuke nakamura uh, he defeated Daniel Bryan to retain the Intercontinental Championship. I thought they were going to crown DB the new Intercontinental Champion. But Mr. Sami Zayn pulled it off. Uh, the first couple of minutes of the match, Sami Zayn was running away from Daniel Bryan. You know, Cesaro and Shinsuke hopped in, you know, uh, distracted Daniel Bryan until Drew Gulak got involved, took him out. And then Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan went at it. Side, would, would you have, would you like to see Sami Zayn just go back to what he was previously and just wrestle? He could still be the guy that's managing Cesaro and, knock on war and still be the you know the chicken heel but would you prefer sammy but like when it comes to the in-ring stuff that he just do what he what he's well known for and that's rather wrestling yeah what i like um i love sammy Zayn's heel character until it comes to matches um in the in, what i would like to see is in the matches i would like to see him be really confident in himself that he's, you know, he, he's been toe-to-toe with Nakamura and he's been toe-to-toe with Braun Strowman and then um, kind of go that way. So it's like, like have him be the character he is now where he's the heel and he's confident and he's overconfident and he's bragging and he's big enough to people who he's managing. But when it comes to, like, he's like the boss. So, like, when he's feuding with someone, they have, they beat Cesaro or they beat, nakamura or whoever and then when they eventually get their shot at Sami Zayn's intercontinental title he's not like playing the chicken shit heel he's like the the complete like wrestling wrestling uh you know superstar he he's an excellent wrestler he's not afraid of anyone he's the ultimate underdog when he faces the big guys but he'll go toe-to-toe with anyone like i want to see that Sami Zayn like when he fought when he was NXT champion in the ring, but outside the ring, I don't want them to change his character because I love it. I understand. I understand. Uh, one, one, one thing that I really do like about this storyline that they got going on is how involved Drew Gulak has been because he really wasn't yes. doing much of anything on SmackDown since he got well, drafted there. I think uh, Cesaro and Nakamura as well. I mean, but like, Nakamura was always in the, he was always in the mix. Like he was either in a continental or U.S. champion. Like he was always in something. It just wasn't yeah. something like super prominent. But as far as like Drew Gulak, I, I think yeah, that they really, that yeah, they, they really did a good job with him and getting him involved. And I honestly, like my hunch is that Daniel Bryan asked specifically for Drew Gulak and got him involved yeah. in this. So it's cool, man. It's cool to see. I was um, a little bit disappointed with this match. I was, uh, anticipating a banger i thought that these two were going to really um kind of try and show what you could do even though there's no crowd like i felt like i thought daniel bryan was going to be really um like out to prove a point you know that he could still be he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world and like i think we said like just give him 15 minutes and just go do it you know like a really fast pace and just have a complete banger um so I was a little bit disappointed in this match. It, I, th- I still thought it was good, and I thought it told quite an interesting story. I was, you know, I was interested in it the whole way. Um, just a little underwhelmed. Did you see? Did you see the part during the match when Daniel Bryan went for the suicide dive and hit his neck on the barricade? I didn't know. I missed Jesus that. Christ, boy! I was like, Lord have mercy. But it was. It, he, he looked like he was okay. But like it, that, that part was just. I, 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 yeah. 
it, I, I, I'm, I'm still not over uh, the no, Daniel Bryan phobia. No, and it doesn't help that every time he lands on his back or his neck or his near his head, he knows that everyone's scared. So he feels the hell so out he of it. He sells it as if he's broken his neck or he's <laughs> fractured his skull or something. It's, uh, you you, you, you remember when he took the German suplex from Gulak at Elimination Chamber? Like he landed yeah. rough. Like he, he he did an interview out there. And he said people were pissed. Like yeah. like high, high, higher ups at WWE. Like when he came back, like they were pissed. Like like what the hell are you doing? Like are you serious yeah. right now? Um. So just before you introduce the next match, I want to give you massive, massive. Massive props because you called it that this SmackDown Tag Team Championship match would be a triple threat singles uh, match. You called it, my friend. You here we are. Side so, so just introduced the folks. You heard it. Uh, this next match was a SmackDown Tag Team uh, Championship match, triple threat singles action ladder match. Uh, we had John Morrison, the champion, representing. Himself in the Miz versus Jimmy Uso, obviously repping the Usos, and our brother Kofi, one year removed from the day from what I think is the greatest WrestleMania moment of all time. My brother, the second African American WWE champion of all time. Very proud of young Kofi. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, like you said, si, um, you know, I, I think it was uh, Dave Meltzer who reported a few weeks ago in the Observer uh, that the Miz showed up to the PC sick. Um, and you know, that also factored into the decision of Roman Reigns deciding to remove himself from the universal title match, which we'll talk about later tonight. But uh, WWE they officially confirmed on the bump uh, that the Miz was going to be out of the match because he was quote unquote injured from the beatdown on SmackDown. And uh, of course, that was a storyline, of course. But um, we had John Morrison versus Jimmy Uso versus Kofi. And so I actually think this match was going to work better uh, instead of six people being in the ring in that performance yeah. center setting because it was just going to be a cluster. And I yes. think it really, I think it really worked better because it was just three people. What about you? Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I thought it was a very good match. I was a little underwhelmed with the finish because um, I felt like there was some really creative stuff they could have done um, with this. Uh, yeah, I felt like they could have had. Kofi or Jimmy win it, and then the Miz come back and say, um, "Well, I didn't lose mine, my tag team title belt." So then you have uh, Paige or Vince or Triple H or someone come in and say, "Right." So then we'll have the Miz and Kofi are the champions, and they will face Big E and John Morrison. To do, do you know what I mean? And they could have just done anything like that, just sort of something different and creative <laughs> for a short-term storyline to 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 just make it like just ch change it up a bit and make it make it creative and and see what these guys could do together against each other rather than as a team. If that makes that, sense, bro, that was gonna be more confusing than the, than the six man, bro. I I, I, I respect it though. I respect it. I, I ain't judging the creativity. But uh, the, the, I I think this is the first match when uh people started actually noticing like the the edited parts, like the parts they had to shoot twice. That's why, because the hard camera. Because I think this is probably the first match when people started to notice. It was like there was one. Uh, I think it was uh they 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 went for like this. Uh, I, I think Jimmy Uso was pinning Kofi and Morrison went for the splash and like you could kind of tell by the hard cut that they had to tape it again to make sure that they got it on cube. So before um, Kofi, you know, before he got pinned 
And I think this is probably the first one that we noticed. Uh, but but going to the finish, you, you, that was another one. I think you could tell that they take that twice. But I, uh, I know you said you weren't like really a fan of it, but I actually liked the finish. I thought it was different from anything I saw before. I think it was really cool that they had uh, all three of them hanging on to the to the uh you know the the, the holder that was holding the titles but john yeah. morrison was the smart one that actually pulled the titles off of the thing so i i think i think that worked really well and i actually like the finish yeah i just thought that there was um an opportunity to do something different and be a bit more um creative going forwards in terms of where to take the story but you know I, the match was good um and you know, I think this was John Morrison, one of John Morrison's best WWE matches as well. Yeah, I, I, I think Morrison is definitely uh, more suited as a singles competitor, as as we've seen over the years with him at Lucha Underground and him in Impact Wrestling. He can definitely hold his own as a singles competitor. I hope WWE just doesn't single him out as this guy who can only do tag team matches mm. because, as we've seen over the years, he can definitely be a, a top guy. I, I don't think he'll be WWE champion. I don't see that. I don't see him being universal champion, but I definitely see him being in a continental and, you know, U.S. champion. As we've seen, he's led Lucha Underground as a top champion for like two seasons in a row. He's been Impact World Champion. Like, he can do it. So uh, I think they need to, at one point, split him from the Miz, give him the ball, let him roll. Um, that, ne- next up, we had Kevin Owens uh, versus Seth Rollins. So I, 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 well, initially, I know me and you both talked about it. We both agreed for night one that this is probably going to be the best match on the card. Um, did you think this match lived up to your expectations uh, before they went to the uh, no disqualification, uh, you know, route? Yeah, I thought this was um, I thought this was real good. Um, the trash talking was real good in this as well. Um, he called him a fat piece of crap, and Kevin Owens called yeah. him a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> top 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 they, tier uh, trash talk right there. Well, no, it's, I don't mean necessarily always what they were saying. But if like just filling in the silence and just kind of like making it feel like a fight, so they're like being aggressive to each other and the things they're saying. Oh yeah, just, I liked it definitely. And then um, I called it that Kevin Owens would take a crazy bump. Um, just saying, but I could have done without the the like the DQ and then restart. I could have rather they had announced beforehand the raw finish. A, I'd rather they, <laughs> yeah, it was a, I would rather they just said <laughs> that it was a no DQ match from the start and just done without that little little thing. Um but I guess it cements like Rollins do it, you know, as the heel who knew he was felt like he was losing so he you know, tried to take the easy way out, I suppose. And um, uh, what's, what, do you, what do you think about Seth Rollins uh, bringing back the white gear and, and, and knowing that Vince McMahon hates the white gear? I loved it. Like, just, like, just knowing that Vince McMahon cannot stand the white gear. Like, I, I knew that was hilarious. Yeah. Anything which annoys Vince McMahon. <laughs> and say, what did you, uh, what, what, what did you think about Kevin Owens taking the dive off the WrestleMania side? I think that was, I think that, I think that was KO's way of saying, I'm, I'm going to get my damn WrestleMania moment one way. Or another, yeah. and out of all the wrestle, out of all the uh, the matches and the different things which happened over the two nights, other than the two cinematic uh, matches, I think that bump is probably the most likely to be replayed over the years because mm. 
they won't want to replay a lot of the stuff with no audience, I think, in years to come, hopefully, um, when things get back to normal, just because of the visual of it. So him diving off the top of the WrestleMania sign is something that they can show without drawing attention to the fact that there's no fans there. Same with like the Edge and Orton on top of the truck and stuff. Thank and you. remember that, that that was Kevin Owens' uh, second highlight moment. Remember when he uh, did the did the flip off the off the curb ramp on Raw? Crazy as hell. Yeah. Okay, Kevin Owens is Kevin Owens is the man. He landed it perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah, Kevin Owens is the man. He's so talented. <laughs> um I hope we get an, another run with him as the either WWE champ or Universal champ at oh, it's some, point, some point in the next it's year. Coming. I'd like to see him do a um, have a run as uh, as champ as a face, just to see how he. Because what I like about his babyface run more than anything is he doesn't suffer from stupid babyface syndrome like the rest of the WWE babyfaces. He doesn't fall for the usual tropes of distractions and you know this sort of stuff. He's clever, and I like that. I like that he's not offensively dumb, like to the audience, where you're like kind of sat there thinking, "Well, come on, you know, why didn't you see that or why didn't you do that?" Because he thinks of it, and I, I appreciate that as a viewer. As far as Seth Rollins goes, um, I think next for him. I think the obvious route is to start up the feud with Edge. I think that's like the most, you I know, straightforward thing. I think they might go I, I, to Drew, um, and then do the Edge feud after that. I think I got to go I, with Drew first. J- j- just to combat that, I don't think that would be good for Rollins at all. I think because you go Drew route, right? Say he goes to Drew McIntyre. I don't think you're gonna take the title off Drew this quickly, no. and that's gonna be an L for Rollins. And then you're gonna send him to Edge, and then Edge is probably three, gonna beat him. I, 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 yeah, yeah three, three in a row. Like I, 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 don't, I don't think that's gonna be good for Rollins. I think, I, I, honestly, I, I really wouldn't mind seeing him and Money in the Bank. Honestly, I, th- I think that would be so damn cool. Like the story that you could tell with Rollins and Money in the Bank, and just knowing like you know the whole Ultimate Opportunist thing, or not the Ultimate Opportunist, but the you know. Same, same thing that he did before in the past with Money in the Bank. I think that'll be something cool to throw him in that type of match and, and uh, you know, build up on that type of his history in that match. Yeah, uh, but, uh, I'd like to see someone you good? win. I'd just like to see someone different win the Money in the Bank, whether it be um, like a Andrade or an Alistair Black. I'd just like to see someone completely. Oh, no, 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 not, 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 not win it. I mean, like, just be in oh, it. Right, and, okay. You know, oh, yeah, okay. tell the story. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, okay, I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm on board for that. Um, because you know when they used when they first brought the money in the bank out, like when they first brought the concept in, it was kind of like billed as the one for like the the next guy who they wanted to try in the main event, like CM Punk and um or the like, it was like Edge, yeah, Edge. It was just like it, but it was like for like those kind of young young stars to have something without going straight into the title match. Um, and I feel like they've got a few guys who could be, one, really entertaining with the briefcase, uh, two, be quite unique with the briefcase, but also it could help 
elevate them to a new level, whether it's a, an Alistair Black, an Andrade. Um, there was someone else as well I was thinking of, and I can't think who it was. No, yeah, but, uh, come back to me in a minute. But next up, uh, something I was... I was very, you know, indifferent to. Uh, we had Braun Strowman defeating Goldberg to become the Universal Champion. I know you. I'm, I'm going to let you get into this one uh, a lot because I know you were not a fan of Goldberg taking the Universal Title off of the Fiend, and then you know him dropping the Universal Title just two months later, or one month later actually, uh, to to Braun Strowman. Um, I, I'm not a fan of this because. Sir, Braun Strowman is now one in six in universal title matches. I think that they have missed the boat completely on Strowman as far as being a universal champion. And it's a little bit too late for that. Uh, it was two minutes. Um, Goldberg hit four spears and Braun Strowman came back to him before power slams. And that was the ball game. And Braun Strowman is your new universal champion. Uh, side, firstly, before we get into the whole, you know, Goldberg being champion and the fiend and stuff like that. Uh, how long do you think Braun Strowman's holding this title before it goes to who they originally wanted to go to? And I think that is Sir Roman Reigns, who I think honestly should be a universal champion, to be honest. Um, I think he'd get a run maybe till SummerSlam. And then Roman will probably take it off him unless they decide to go with Strowman versus The Fiend for SummerSlam, which I, I don't really want him to. Um I gotta say, I was very disappointed with. Right, this was their opportunity with Goldberg to, because it was taped. They could have given him. They could have had him do a proper match, like ten minutes of like, and like, you know, edit it, cut it. They could have let him take a break every couple of minutes because he's tired and blown out. Like they could have given this time. And made it compelling and interesting and it just felt lazy and i kind of done with goldberg like i was done pretty much anyway with him but like this is just this isn't entertaining like four spears four power slams my kids could you know walk <laughs> it's just rubbish um and again they kind of booked themselves into this big corner because they didn't want to leave the title on goldberg because he was just a short-term solution to, you know, get the title off Bray and on to Reigns without having Reigns beat the Fiend. And then obviously this, the virus and everything took over and they had to change plans. Um, you know, I agree they've missed, they missed the boat on Strowman. I'm really kind of done with Goldberg. I don't need to see him. Um, he does nothing for... Like, I don't even think this is, could you say that Strowman after this match, even though he's champion and he beat Goldberg, do you think he is any stronger than he was before? No, no. I think Pete Braun Strowman was 2017. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But they, they took the legs out of the Fiend character. They had him lose his first match. The, Goldberg I, I, of all people. Just, 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 just a counterpoint. At the last night, and we're gonna get into that. I think the fiend is back. He's back. Oh yeah, he's back. But but but, but, but I, 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 I get your point. Like prior to the prior to last night, it was it was like eh. 
but but after last night, that that, that man is back. He's and he could back. also he could also be unbeaten and back. <laughs> he could be a fresh off of beating Goldberg and John Cena and having this crazy match. But you know. And speaking of crazy matches, sir, I think what was the top two uh match of WrestleMania weekend and a top ten Undertaker match of all time won't bluff me. We had The Undertaker versus AJ Styles with Lou Gallows and Carl Anderson in a boneyard match. Si, this shit was good. I loved it. This was good shit, pal. So, so okay, so first, just to recap, we could just go through it uh, piece by piece. Undertaker pulled up. Uh, no, t- so, t- so tell me, uh, don't like, of course, I want you to get your thoughts off, but I kind of want to break it down piece by piece. So just give me like a short, you know, uh, recap. Yeah. Um, so he pulled up. I really liked that they had the old school Undertaker music. It wasn't like the thing we hear today. It was like the like you know the ones you hear like when he debuted with back in the eighties, like the regular piano. Like I, I I thought that was so damn cool to hear again. And then we had the casket pull up. Everybody's like, oh yeah, this is about to be cool. About to have the Undertaker pull up. Voila! Here's AJ Styles in his dad jeans, talking trash. Uh, did did this get it pop out of you, sir? It did, yeah. It did, it did, it did, it did, and I, I loved the way, like, as he popped up, AJ was like so like confident in himself. <laughs> he, he thought he was hilarious, <laughs> like I'm ready for a fight, and, and he was you know, bring your ass out, and it was just so funny and so good. Um, and and then we had uh, then we had Undertaker pull up on a motorcycle side. So was it cool uh, to see the dead man or the American badass back on the back on the motorcycle? Was that cool to see? Yeah, it was it was kind of cool. I, um, it like like we discussed briefly in the preview show. It's a little. I feels like almost a little bit wasted that they finally did it without the fans being there. But it was cool to see you know them riding on the motorcycle and obviously leave as well later on. So under so Undertaker walked up on AJ Styles, um, and you know here goes AJ Styles talking about you old man. Uh, you, you, I don't, I don't, does Michelle know you're out this late? And Undertaker, Undertaker was giving it right back to him. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, she knows I'm out this late." And just you know, just you know, just give him like little witty comeback responses, small responses. And and you see, of course, you see AJ Styles backing up as the Undertaker walks up on him. They finally get the brawl. Um, Undertaker try to throw AJ's head into the um into the into the car window. Um, you know, Undertaker tries to like throw his elbow in there and Undertaker's elbow get caught up, and he says some smart to AJ Styles. They brawl all over the place. Uh, so I want one of the cool spots I really think of this match was uh, the, the the part when uh, when when AJ tackled tackled Undertaker through the woodshed and like Undertaker just started making these weird ass noises. Like it was hilarious, bro. Like this whole match was, was really hilarious. So, so tell me about some of your favorite uh, uh, spots from the match that like just really stick to you. Um, the trash talk was just on another level throughout this. It was, it was great. Um, I popped big when um, Gallows and Anderson came out and then they kind of, they looked really confident. Whereas when they, um, when they delivered the contract to him on uh, Raw, you could, like, they approached him with a lot of reluctance. And then when, in this one, they came out 
they looked so confident in themselves. And then when it's revealed that they've got like a gang of druids, I thought that was a nice touch. I liked that you almost got like three versions of The Undertaker throughout the match without like doing a full costume change. Um, Like you had the American badass, then you had the kind of the old school Undertaker with his, um, like, you know, doing like the the magic for lack of a better terms. And when the finale. Yeah, and when he appears behind AJ's back um, when he's on the tractor, and then you also get the one, oh, what was it, the third one? You just named it, I think. No, yeah, I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was all, it was real cool. Like the whole thing was just so cool. And like, um, I thought AJ selling when the after The Undertaker appeared behind him, like all the way up onto the roof where he was going, like, how, how, how? couldn't get his words out i just thought his selling verbal selling was exceptional um and it just felt like the final fight scene in a movie it was really well produced um it was just really entertaining and and that's what i gauge these cinematic stuff on is you've got to take it for what it is so this one was like more of a kind of serious it was like a like a final boss fight of a of like a, an action movie or something, right? Um, whereas like the ones like the, the final deletion and the ultimate deletion and all these, they're a bit more campy and you and it's kind of like at some points they're so bad they're good, and you know you you're kind of in on the joke, but also there's a lot of meta, meta stuff in it. Whereas this was more straight laced in some aspects of it compared to those but equally i just thought it was fantastic um, did you uh did you expect michelle mccool to make some type of appearance in this i didn't i expected to see kane though um, i was quite oh, yeah. surprised when, when undertaker said the holy trinity and stuff like that yeah but i've someone made a good point on twitter and said that the holy trinity he meant was the three versions of the undertaker ah um, so which smart. i kind of made sense um I thought when when AJ Styles smashed the shovel over the back of the Undertaker, that was a real good spot too. Definitely, definitely. Uh, one 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 thing to touch on. Did you? Well, I I think we all can sort of come to agree that I think this was probably better than anything that they would have done in a traditional singles match. Honestly. Yeah, absolutely. This is and this is how you prolong the Undertaker now for another ten years. Yeah. You you, you and I talk, you and I talked about oh yeah, oh yeah he extended his career. You could do one of these type matches at Survivor Series and WrestleMania. Just do it twice a year, every year. Um, who who, would you, who be... would you like to see uh, do it next? I, I know a lot of people saw Sting as a possible name. Who, so who, who would you like to see uh, doing the Bone Yard match? Um, Sting, um, when he retires like properly and he's never coming back, I think it's absolutely imperative that he loses one of these matches to either Alistair Black or Bray Wyatt. Um, mm. you two kind of dark characters, but just went out of the box, which I, if he ever gets called up, I'd like to see his uh, Punishment Martinez versus The Undertaker in one Punish- of his matches. The Play club owner versus the dead, man. I'm all in. I'm with that it. That could be kind of cool. Um, someone on Twitter said um, that the, the, because The Undertaker showed him respect at the end, 
they'd like to see an Undertaker and AJ Styles uh, kind of tag run. But I was like, mm, not sure. Nah. Uh-uh. I'd like to see AJ Styles come back. Uh, I'd like to see him get some time off for a bit and then come back with the club. Yeah, dude, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if you noticed, but AJ Styles been saying a lot of interviews, buddy, that uh this that contract that he signed in 20, 2019 is his last and he is not signing anything else after that is done he has said in multiple interviews that he feels like he is coming up on the end of his career that is not anything like a secret he said that himself uh so i, I don't know i, I think I, I i give it till summer of 2021 i think that's the last we see of aj styles in you know pro wrestling like to see him finish on I'd like to see AJ Styles versus Finn Balor at SummerSlam 2021 in like a ladder match for the NXT title or IC title or whatever Mm. Um, with the club on the outside and just that be the end. I think that could be an incredible moment where you have the four of them do like a little curtain call at the end, have a big hug, and then AJ Styles retires. It would be cool. That would be be very cool. Very cool. But moving on to night two, Sai, to kick off the night, we had Liv Morgan stepping in the ring with Natalya. Liv got the victory. I'm glad they actually put Liv over in this match. Uh, You know, I I think we all know Natalya is like that locker room leader. She's the, you know, one of the the vets in the company, men or women. But it it was good to see that Liv Morgan got the W. Uh, To tell me your overall thoughts about Liv Morgan and what you think they can do with her uh, going forward. Um, I think she could be uh, a top female star for them. Not uh, maybe necessarily the like the star, but I think she could be um, a main event a main event star for them. You see potential. Um, she's perfectly capable. Yeah, man. She's good on the mic. She's good in the ring. I wish they'd brought her back as a the dark character that everyone thought, even if it wasn't with the fiend. Um. I quite like the idea of her coming back as like a bit more dark and aggressive and just, you know, just to completely grow her character into something different. Yeah. Uh, Liv Liv Morgan. And she got the W over Natalia. Uh, I think next up for Liv Morgan, possibly we get that singles match against Ruby Riot. I think that's always on the table. I'd like to see the triple threat. I'd like to see uh, the real triple threat between the three of them. I am. I'm not sure why that didn't happen. I mean, it's di- the, the I don't even know why they broke up. <laughs> well, there, there is that as well. But the other two haven't been seen since Elimination Chamber, I don't think. So, I, you know, you don't know if they're isolating or, you know, you, you just, in today's current climate, you don't know, do you, if people are isolating and that's why they're not there. So we might have to wait for the singles or triple threat matches between them. Um, I wouldn't be against if they're not going to give Liv like a really dark character. I wouldn't be at all against them getting back together at some point. But having Ruby and Sarah be a tag team and have Liv give Liv Morgan a little run as the as the single star instead of Ruby. But now, did you see? I just like to see her get a push. Now, did you see the uh, the Twitter beef that went down yesterday between Killer Cross and Nia Jax? Did, did you happen know. to see it? Uh, somebody had tweeted out. Uh, I, well, I don't know if you saw, but uh, I don't know if you. Well, I'm, I'm, have you have you did you watch uh, Impact like in 2018 at all? 
Yes. So okay, so uh, I'm pretty sure you remember Scarlet Bordeaux's ring get ring gear is like similar to what Liv Morgan's wears now. Like yeah. Scarlet Bordeaux wears similar stuff. So somebody had tweeted out why is Liv Morgan trying to be Scarlet Bordeaux? Killer Cross commented and said, "Great question." And Nia Jax went and commented and said that he needs to sit the fuck down immediately. And yeah, that that, that was that. Killer Cross did not respond. Uh, I know a lot of people said Killer Cross is probably uh, you know, working as they say, being a storyline. But I don't think he was. I think he was taking up for his wife. I mean, but that you know, you, you can't you can't Not really... exactly like he said anything really bad. That was it. Yeah, he, like, he just. I mean, he said great question. Like he said great question. Similar gear, but yeah. You know. But Nia Jax came and hopped on him, and they got a lot of reaction. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what, what, what spawns from she's that. Back. I think she'll be back on Friday. Oh, yeah, definitely. To challenge Bailey for the SmackDown Women's title. I think that's Bailey's next opponent. Um, speaking of Smack, speaking of women's titles, sir, Charlotte Flair defeated Rhea Ripley to become the new NXT Women's Champion. I actually really, really, really liked this match. It was hard-hitting. I think they did what they could do for the, you know, just – Lack of crowd again, another one of those scenarios, just like everybody else did. But I think Charlotte and Rhea beat the hell out of each other. It was physical. Um, you know, I, I I didn't really agree with the finish, but I mean, like it, it's you know, I'm like I'm I'm trying like this is the thing. I know a lot of people don't like uh, like necessarily like Charlotte Flair because she gets quote unquote rewarded. But I mean, like sometimes you gotta come to a realization that they just like she's just really that damn good at what she does in the ring. She's really good. And you can kind of rely on her for a multitude of stuff, but you can also rely on other people if you gave them the chance and building them up. Um, Rhea was hot. She beat Charlotte Flair already. Um, she beat Charlotte Banks. She beat Shayna Baszler, who was champion for damn near a year, uh, two years actually. Um, and Charlotte, I mean, Rhea tapped out to Charlotte at WrestleMania. And Charlotte is the NXT Women's Champion. She said during the interview that she will be defending the title on all three brands. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see what they do. We got uh three of the four horsewomen holding the women's titles, and it you know me and you talked about it on the preview show, and you said it even earlier on this show. Uh it looks like we're you we might be heading to Charlotte versus EO. Um, if EO wins the ladder match, I would honestly prefer somebody else win the ladder match now. <laughs> Cause I I, I don't want to see them lose to Charlotte so early. Um, but Sab, uh, just your thoughts on the match. Um, your thoughts about Charlotte Flair winning the NXT title, and what do you think uh, is going to be the next move as far as you know her saying that she wants to defend the title on all three brands? Uh, so the match I thought was awesome. It was one of my favorite matches, like actual proper ring matches, not including the cinematic matches. It was one of my favorite matches of the of the night too. Probably the favorite actually. Other than I really enjoyed the five women uh, match. Um, the Right, so my point is um, they desperately need to get at least a couple of the women to the same level that they portrayed the horsewomen. And they had the chance to cement two. Uh, one as a really strong heel because of the way she was booked um, in the Elimination Chamber and since she's debuted. And then you had another one who's like the young up and coming superstar who could have been, you know, the future and she still can be, but this was their chance to cement both of them as being on the same level as the horsemen, horsewomen, because none of the other women have been portrayed on that level and they didn't do it with either. 
I felt that was really, really disappointing. If they didn't want to beat Charlotte, I feel like they should have had Rhea go, you know, basically have Rhea win, but just as Charlotte's about to lose, she gets disqualified or something. And I know that you don't want to do like a schmozzy finish at WrestleMania, but it's a slightly different WrestleMania. So you could have got away with it without beating Rhea clean. Um, and look, Charlotte, there's no denying Charlotte Flair is super talented. She's excellent. She's had some great matches. She can talk. She looks good. You know, she's got it all. Um, but equally, I've got no desire to see Charlotte Flair in 2020 run through that awesome NXT women's division and just beat them all. I, I don't want to see that. And like as much as I really like the thought of an Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair match, I don't want to see it for the reasons you said. I don't want to see Io Shirai lose to Charlotte. Um, out of that ladder match, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Candice. Chelsea, Chelsea Green. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I quite like to see Candice versus Charlotte. And That'd be Candice, cool. Candice put up like a really amazing fight, but for sure, I'd love to see um, if they did that. I would love to see Candice uh, get the old gimmick out and, uh, you know, have a bit of blood because I think that would be incredible to see. Um, mm. But, you know, it's probably not going to happen. Um, Great match, poor decision with the booking. I thought this was um, a typical Vince decision, which completely undid. Uh, they both Shayna and Rhea Ripley's all the hard work they've put into cementing them and a Survivor Series and showing them as the NXT two top superstars being on the same level as the Horsewomen, completely undone even though Rhea looked fantastic in this match. She tapped clean. She lost her title after challenging Charlotte. So she just looks like a numpty. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, I think Rhea going to be okay. I, yeah, I, I, I don't I, think I don't she's know. like, she, yeah, you know. I, I think Rhea is going to be fine. Uh, as far as what's next for her, that I do not know, but I think she will be fine. Um, Charlotte Flair is going to be all over Raw, um, all over SmackDown. NXT, uh, I mean, all, I mean, all over Raw and all over NXT. So I, I think that the opportunities for people to get, you know, some title shots in. But I, I like you said, I agree. I don't want to see her just running through the entire NXT Women's Division. I would like to see Candice LeRae get a shot. That would be nice. I would like to see her versus Chelsea Green. Um, I think I think that'll be a real good one. Um, but as far as like those elite level people in the NXT Women's Division, I would keep them away from Charlotte Flair for the time being, unless you are going to have them beat Charlotte. Um, you know, and following that match, uh, we had Alistair Black taking on Bobby Fish. I mean, I saw <laughs> Bobby Lashley with uh with Lana. Uh, you know, Alistair Black hit him with the Black Mask to finish the match. Uh, Sat, Sat, tell me about your thoughts about the end of this match. Uh, we saw Lana. I mean, it looked like Bobby Lashley was about to finish off. Alistair Black, Lana told him to hit him with the spear, and that ultimately caused Bobby Lashley to match. Do you think this is the breakdown, sir, of uh, Bobby Lashley and, and Lana? I do think it's this, this, the beginning of the end. Um, I actually, uh, just before this match, I thought, I kind of said to myself, how cool would it be if 
Lana turned on Bobby Lashley, kicked him in the nuts, and then reunited with Rusev. And obviously it didn't happen. I just was thinking before the match, I said I would love to see that. I think it's because me and you were talking about um, like Rusev Day and how good they could have been as a trio and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I want to see that because I don't like Lana with Bobby Lashley. It makes, I think it's stupid because everyone knows that Lana and Rusev are still married. Everyone knows that, you know, Bobby Lashley and Lana are not together. And it's just, I just, stupid. In 2020, yeah. it's stupid. Um, I thought this match was all right, though. I quite enjoyed yeah, it. It wasn't bad. It, it really wasn't bad at all. I, I, I didn't really see the point of it happening, but. No. It, Black, it, it, I think it, it was just a way to get. Alice on the uh, yeah. back, like a big WrestleMania opponent to beat. I think they wanted to beat someone with a bit of crowd, a bit of credibility. They wanted to have Alistair Black win on WrestleMania versus someone with credibility. And I think Bobby Lashley does give that. Um, and the Black Mass is the best yeah. finisher in wrestling. It is. Um, ne- next up, uh, we had Otis defeating Dolph Ziggler. With Sonya Deville aside, the last couple of minutes of this match was perfect. I think the crowd would have went absolutely crazy for the last couple of minutes of this match. We had uh, Otis and Dolph Ziggler going at it for a minute. Um, Sonya Deville, of course, had her few interferences in the match, and then all of a sudden, Mandy Rose came down to the ring. She punched Sonya Deville in the face. I think the crowd would have went crazy for that. She went in there low. I mean, first of all, uh, she helped Dolph Ziggler uh, get a low blow in on Otis. And that's when Mandy Rose came down, punched Sonya Deville in the face. Then she came in the ring while the referee was distracted on the outside. And then she low-blowed Dolph Ziggler, which lets Otis get in the ring. That man, Otis, picked up Mandy. I mean, he, yeah, he got the ring and got the women, picked up Mandy, got the celebratory kiss, and Otis and Mandy walked all together. So I really did the last couple of minutes of this match were A1, sir. Yeah, it was. It would have been so good with the the with the crowd. It just oh, they would have lost it. They would have lost so, it. So so good. Um, what I think is really really important now, and what I'd like to see is um, number one. I don't necessarily want to see Sonya Deville with Dolph Ziggler. Like I don't want to see her as his valet necessarily. I'd much prefer to see. Um, Sonia Deville just become this badass heel bitch in her own right. And I'd really like to see her pushed as one of the top heels on SmackDown um, underneath like Sasha and Bailey. I hope that they do that because I feel like they've built Mandy up as a baby face. Um, it's a little frustrating that like at the start of the storyline, if you told me they were splitting up, I would have liked to have seen Sonia Sonia as the the baby face, but the way they've done it, they've done it really really well. Um, so to be fair to them, you know maybe they made the right decision there. Um, the match was you know it is what it is, um, but the the end was beautifully done. That um, that I think the crowd would have went crazy for the uh, for Otis getting the kiss with Mandy. Yeah, and I don't I don't need to see like loads of tag match mixed tag matches between the four of them. Oh, like, you know it's coming. We'll you know see it's coming. One. I get that, and we'll get, <laughs> we'll get a rematch with the, the with the women in their corners. I I get that too, but I I'm quite happy then for them to kind of split off from the foursome, 
you know, continue the Sonia and Mandy feud for a bit. Um, but I, like I say, I would like to see Sonia Deville get a real push as a legitimate fighter now and a legitimate heel. Yes, yeah, I, I think one of the one of my theories about it, I think Sonya is so hell bent on getting Mandy away from Otis because she's the one that actually likes Mandy. So I think that's going to be yeah, something I think that they that's where they'll go, yeah. I think that's I, I think that'll be cool because I know Sonya. She's actually openly said that they always wanted to do a storyline like that, but and she wasn't happy. Well, she wasn't necessarily happy when Liv and Lana did it. So you know, it, it it'll be cool to see what they do going forward. But that, I, I think the I think this was one of the matches that really really needed that crowd reaction to make it a special moment. I think the crowd went crazy for Otis. Um, yeah, it, it, it was good for what it was. I like the finish. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what Mandy and Sonya do uh, going forward. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I am. Um, I will say I've got no confidence in the WWE to, um, to do a kind of, a lesbian or gay storyline mm. um, in any way. I just have no confidence that they have the ability to tell that story. No, I, I, I think, um. so Sonya, she said during the interview, I think it was with Uprocks, uh, that as far as the storyline goes, she actually went to work with the, um, I think, a, I think an LGBTQ, um, like, uh, uh, um, like an agency and it like helped them write it out. So I think they already got that mapped out, but the, you know, at the same time, you got to get that stuff approved by WWE. And if they say it's a no go, then you know they probably gonna do it their way. But I think it just in this case, I think you should actually listen to the person who. Well, of course you should. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Finny Mac, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Finny Mac's uh, the the guy who makes the decisions. So. Yeah. So uh, next up after that, sir, we had the. 36-minute last man standing match between Edge and Randy Orton. Uh, Just similar to the uh, Boneyard match, we're going to, like, you know, break this down, like, recap by recap. So, uh, firstly, uh, did you get the chance to see the Edge documentary that they put up on the network? I haven't. No, I'm going to watch that. Man. Sorry, I'm telling you, boy. It is. I'm not going to lie. It is. It is. It, 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 it's, it's probably going to be one of those that's going to catch you all guard doing the documentary, just seeing like how, uh, like, because the documentary initially was supposed to be um, a, a life after wrestling documentary. Yeah. But during that taping, that's when Edge started the process of getting cleared. And so uh, the spear at SummerSlam, that wasn't. Something Man, that was, yeah, I did that, see someone say that. Yeah, I I think I had um I had uh wrote an article about that the other day uh before that the doc came out because he did an interview with uh Inside the Ropes and he said that um and I had put it in one of my news updates that he uh said you know that that wasn't planned but yeah he he wasn't he wasn't supposed to do that it was supposed to go out there and do a promo segment and he you know he's you know thanked the lads for being like aware enough to realize like what he was about to do because. Alas could have easily been like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be a promo segment. And Ed said, oh, yeah. Ed said, like, did he just looked at him and Alas, like, he looked at Alas, he, he knew, like, it, it was go time. And uh, once Edge got to the back, um, he ran to Vince McMahon, actually, and Vince didn't know. So, and you could tell Vince was okay with it because Vince, like, it gave, him, gave him a little tap on the back, like, after, and they would just walk right past it. He didn't say anything. Like, Vince, uh, Edge was talking to Beth. And Vince walked past him and gave him a little tap on the back. They showed that in the documentary. So that was uh 
that that, that was real cool to see. Yeah, it was cool uh, to see. What, and but but Beth was pissed. She was pissed. Yeah, she, she was, was not happy at all. <laughs> she was not happy at all. But um, well, one of the other things in this documentary that I think is really interesting is it 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 and it, it, it kind of caught my attention a lot too, as far as like what made WWE uh decide to clear Edge because Edge admitted that he received an offer from another major company, which is AEW, and yeah, they 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 contacted him. And he went to go talk to Vince first. He said, before I, you know, get into any serious negotiations with y'all, I got to tell Vince, you know, just out of respect, because Vince basically, mm. you know, made him, made, made his character. Yeah. yeah. So he went to go talk to him. And then that's when all of a sudden, you know, WWE was like, hey, um, let's clear him. And, you know, that was that. And he got cleared. And now he's back. So did you think that a, the, the prospect of Edge being an AEW sort of, I don't want to say forced them, but scared them into just like be like, oh yeah, we gotta get him back here. Yeah, he's a big enough star that would they would have been like, nope, can't have him go there. Like he's in that upper echelon of stars that they would view as a needle mover who could, you know, really change the game. So they would have been straight away like, no, we can't have that. They would have right. offered him big money, bro. Oh yeah, they 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 definitely alpha uh edge that big money. It, I, I I wonder what it would have been like if he was in AEW, but you know we, I I I think I think it was the right move having him you know come back to uh, WWE. Yeah, but, I think so. but jumping into the match, um, for for first I know one of the nitpicks about the match was the commentary. I know you want to get some thoughts about that. Yeah, man, it was just like it was like as if they you know like when they commentate on golf or like snooker, and it's like they're whispering because they don't want to. Uh, distract the com- the competitors. It was very much like, oh my god, an RKO! Oh my god, he's hit him with a chair. It was real weird. Um, and I I'm assuming it's because they they recorded it at different times. So I'm assuming that that's why they were they found it difficult to um like match up the excitement because I think if they had commentated on it as it was happening, even to record, you know, just even though they record pre-recorded, if you record it as it's happening, I think it's a lot easier than recording it over a video, if that makes sense. Um, I think it's a lot more difficult to do that um, and get the same reaction and passion in your voice. Um, and I felt like it, the commentary really took away from this match. Um, this match would have been real good if it had been about 15 minutes shorter, in my opinion. I said, what did you think about? I know a lot, one of the spots that like riled people up a lot was the um when when he choked him with the weight. Yeah, the that weight was thing. just I I I'm amazed that that got through uh like all the people that it needed to get through from the recording to the editing to the final version. Um it doesn't bother me as much as some people like some people got really riled up about it. Um, to me, I just thought mm, that's probably a bad choice of, you know. Uh, I think I think it was just a lack of awareness. Yeah, which surprised me because obviously you know, Edge is and both well both of them are fully you know fully aware of the of the story. But um, yeah. seeing as how the dark side of the ring thing was like two weeks ago, oh, and, and this was taped last week, is bad time. I wonder. I wonder if people would like people would have still associated it with 
and you know because it was obvious but i think the fact that it was literally like two weeks ago just made mm. it worse because people it's all fresh in people's mind isn't it yep yeah they uh... just watched like a two-hour documentary about it all um yeah it yeah, this, a uh, good choice like they and then they you know it didn't help that they actually you know repeatedly well not repeatedly but they they made it clear that that's how benoit killed himself like by the weight yeah you know, it's, it's, it's it was it was just it was, i don't think it was just i think it was just lack of a win it didn't make me like super riled up but because there's no way to ever know truly if that's you know the intention or that was it was just a poor choice wasn't it yeah yeah definitely but uh I, I do think the match did go a little long. I mean, I, I didn't think it was bad. At all. I know some people like were calling it like the, you know a bad match. I don't think it was a Meltzer bad match at all. Gave it one star and called it the worst, uh, one of the worst matches in WrestleMania history. What well, that's Dave Meltzer. He's yeah. that, that's his opinion. I don't really care for his opinion. I mean, that's, no, that's just. I mean, like not 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 saying it like that and discredit him or anything, but like that's somebody's opinion. I don't th- I don't know why people get so. Seriously yeah, wrapped up in other people's opinion when you can have your own. Just someone's view, isn't it? It's subjective. Like exactly. what you what you might think is the worst thing ever, I might think is the best thing ever. Um exactly. Like it, it was it was the same thing like what people were saying, uh Kenny Omega and Okada at Dominion yeah. was the was the best match at uh in twenty eighteen and I think it was Gargano and Almas at Takeover Philadelphia. Like it's subjective. Yeah, you know, of course it's so. Uh yeah, but the but the finish of the match, um, you had Edge uh cap it all off with the concerto. I think that was a nice one. Perfect end. Yeah, perfect. It was, one. I, it was a good brawl. It was it wasn't bad in my opinion. Um, I thought the ending was perfect. I thought a lot of it was very very good. Um, but I feel like they could have cut out about 12, 12, 13 minutes of it, and it would have been. I think if they'd cut out about ten minutes, twelve minutes, I feel like it would have been really good um but i feel like the length did take away from it a bit um and i did see a weird take where someone said oh ed showed that he can go 37 minutes um you know with his injury and he, and his age and he can still go 37 minutes and i was like well not really because it was recorded he could have taken a break every five minutes for all we know so that that was a weird take for me but I didn't think it was terrible, um, but it wasn't my favorite thing on the show. By any yeah, uh, speaking about, uh, I forgot to mention this before we got to the uh, before we got to night two. Did you happen to see the preview of the, uh, the Undertaker documentary that they're doing? I have not. No, no. Um, I've heard it's good though. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good one. Undertaker rocking his um his Blue Lives Matter shirt, of course. Lord have mercy. Okay. What's what's that about them? You, you know the one with the, with the police basically. Um, the Blue Lives Matter shirt is like a, like an opposite of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, right. so they, uh, they, they said, yeah, exactly. You can't be wearing that. <laughs> hey, but I, 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 a bit of respect for him. <laughs> but but uh, other than that, all that all that stuff that he represented, the documentary was uh the preview. The preview. It's gonna be like a. It's gonna be like the Michael Jordan one that ESPN knows gonna release in like portions. Like it's not gonna be one long thing. It's gonna be like fifty minutes each episode all right, okay so it, it they, they first started recording um before his mania match against roman reigns in 2017 and it basically just followed him throughout that time period and he you know admitted that he can't do the whole schedule he don't think he can go it's like like he used to he doubts himself a lot you know 
all that stuff. Like he he like it, it was one real funny part of the documentary when they were at the hotel before Mania and Roman Reigns walked up to Undertaker next to him. Undertaker was like, God damn, you can't kayfabe for five minutes. <laughs> and Ray Roman was like, I don't give a damn about your kayfabe. And like it, it was, it, it was like funny little interaction with them. And Undertaker was just, you know, he, he gets into a lot, man, about how the younger generation and you know how that, it, it, it was a lot. Of, I think you should check out the preview. Um, I will. I'm going to watch that, and I'm going to watch the Edge one tomorrow. For sure, for sure. Please do. Uh, but next up, we had the Raw Tag Team Championships. We had the Street Profits uh, defeating um, Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins, and Montez for retaining. Uh, by defeating Angel Garza and Austin Theory, six minute match. Uh, I don't really think it was much to, you know, dissect about the match, but I think the more the story was the end portion, sir. We had Bianca Belair making her, well, I, don't, I can't call her a raw. She had a WrestleMania debut. Shout out to Bianca Belair, made her WrestleMania debut. She laid out Zelina Vega. Uh, sir, do you think this is the trade off that we got? We got Charlotte Flair going to NXT, Bianca Belair on Monday Night Raw. Uh, what do you think about uh, Bianca Belair? You know, this, I, I think it was a great introduction, her being paired. You know, obviously, everybody knows she's married to Montez Ford. I think it was a nice, you know, way to introduce her and then, you know, eventually break her off into her own thing. Yeah, I am. Um, I like them. I'd like them all together. I think it'll be good for all parties concerned as long as they don't turn her into like the equivalent of Selena Vega all the time because she's. Oh, please, like, Lord, no. Because like Selena Vega is a manager because she's not, um, you know, she's okay in the ring. But she's not like, you know, top top tier. Whereas Bianca Belair is capable of being the woman and uh, the division. female star for the whole whole company. Um, so yeah, she needs to be she needs to be given um, give her a little bit of time just to get her personality over with the Street Profits, and you know, build her up with some good matches in that time as well and some wins. And then you know, get that rocket rocket pack, put it on her. Yeah, so how, how just a quick prediction? How long do you think it'll be before we see Bianca Belair with the Raw Miss title? Do you think she'd be the one to take it off Becky Lynch? I think that'd be interesting as a heel. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I really like um, Bianca Belair. It's like a this tweener, like she's never really a face and she's never really a heel. She's right. just kind of she's just kind of her, and I really like that about her. Um, I feel that it's uh, it's a weird one because like Shane is like forty, um, and I feel wait, like way to call her out, sir. No, no, no. But I just mean I mean like, <laughs> nah, like she's good, like forty odd. Like so, I mean like like with Shane you can't really build the next ten years around her. So in some ways, I feel like with Shane, it's like now or never. Like right. you either put the title on her, make her a big heel, get a good two year, two three year run out of her, or you don't. Whereas yeah, Bianca, Bianca Belair, Bella, she she turns. She, her birthday, build. her birthday is in like three days, so and she's only thirty, so. Yeah, yeah. you could if she beats if she's the one to beat Becky after Becky's had the title for over a year, that's a massive introduction to the mm. roster, uh, yep. which I think is good. And then uh, speaking of. Championship, sir. We had the Fatal Five Way Elimination match for the SmackDown Women's Title. Bailey retained uh, by defeating Lacey Evans. Finally, uh, she defeated Lacey Evans. I mean, final. The final person she defeated was Lacey Evans. Also involved in that match was Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina. So I, I think this was out of all the traditional matches uh, on the card. I think this was the best one. I yep. really like the dynamic in this match. 
everybody got their stuff in. They did a real good job of building up Tamina as the monster, and everybody had to pile on the beater. I think Tamina had a real great showing. Um, you know, they continued the build with Sasha Banks and Bailey. Naomi got her stuff in. Bailey finally got her win over Lacey Evans. I think this was perfect. Honestly, I love the match. Yeah, it was excellent. It was a real good match. I enjoyed it massively. Um, and what I really liked uh, was the way they did the the Sasha and Bailey stuff, where love Bailey it. hits her by accident. Bailey hits her by accident first of all. Sasha gets pissed. Then Bailey saves her. By pushing her out of the way, but she still Sasha still gets knocked out and pinned, and then Bailey is fully conscious, watches as Sasha gets eliminated, and then Sasha comes back and saves Bailey and like basically you know helps her beat uh, Lacey. Lacey Evans, so so and she I can be the one to take the title off her. Yeah, I thought it was exceptional storytelling not for the and they, that's not the last time we'll say that mm-hmm. let's say did you think um did you think they did a real good job of like letting tamina get her stuff in because i said like some people would think that it would be like she'd be like the outcast in the match but they did like a real good job of like showcasing her yeah i think the last three weeks they've done a very good job since they announced her as being in the match officially i think they've done a real good job of building her up as a threat and as a as a monster She's something different. I'm not a huge fan of of her character, but I think she's been exceptionally booked the last couple of weeks. I agree. I agree. But yeah, Bailey is the SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, Sad. Do you think that we either get Bailey get? Do you think they do a cash in on Bailey, or do you think they 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 we, we're, we're all heading to the eventual Sasha Bailey match? I think Sasha's going to win Money in the Bank, and then cash in on Bailey. I think she'll say to she'll like make out to Bailey that she's gonna cash in on Becky. Oh yeah, and and then at or, some point or Charlotte, and then yeah. do the, you know give it a run and around. At, yeah, and then at some point she'll like turn on her when she's not expecting it and beat her for the title. You 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 want to know something uh real quick that I think would be real cool since you know everybody knows Sasha Banks is real passionate about wrestling like outside of the ring and stuff like that, like outside of the TV screen, off the TV screen. I think it'll be real cool if Sasha Banks just like straight up like, I'm a better wrestler than you. I know I can beat you, so I'm going to cash this in, and this is what's going to happen, and I'm going to beat you at that show. And then she actually does it. I think that'll be cool. Yeah, like hell. names it in advance, like right. Rob Van Dam did. Yeah, that'd be and, cool. And, cool. And, and, and just like, like I, I know I'm going to beat you here, and then she actually does it. I think that'll solidify Sasha Banks. Um yeah. Uh, we we're gonna talk about the five fun house, the firefly fun house match last, but uh, the, the 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 main event, uh, the book main event for the show was Drew McIntyre defeating Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Four minutes, uh, you know, it was your Brock Lesnar match that we see all the time. You know, Brock Lesnar gets heat on the guy, suplex, suplex, um, F5s, and then Drew McIntyre made his comeback. Um, I I didn't really care for the match too much, but I'm real happy for Drew McIntyre. Worked his ass off. Good, you no know, good on him. Uh. Got fired from WWE, came back, uh, worked his ass off in the independent scene, uh, world champion, well, top guy in Impact. You know, he did it all, man. So, you know, good on Drew McIntyre. First UK, first guy from the UK to win the WWE title. So, you know, good, good you know, real good on Drew McIntyre. I'm happy for him. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they do going here. Hopefully they do not just drop the ball with this dude. Um what do, you, what do you think about Drew McIntyre's title win? And I know you were also, uh, you know, j- j- just not big on the traditional Lesnar match that they always do in this situation. 
Yeah, I mean, the match is basically the same as the Goldberg matches. So the thing which frustrates me about Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar, unlike Goldberg, is so capable of more. Brock Lesnar could have... Him and Drew McIntyre could have had an exceptional match, a real banger, like two big horse, big sons of bitches <laughs> beating the crap. They could have had a real good match, um, which would have put over Drew even more in many ways. Um, and I just think sometimes, it's, you know, Brock Lesnar will do whatever he's told. He just wants to get paid. He, If they tell him to work a 15-minute match, he'll work a 15-minute match. They tell him to work Drew McIntyre. That's who he works. He does what you know what they ask him to do. They pay him, and that's that's the arrangement. Has big on the company, sir. Yeah, um, but they just they they they've become lazy in their ma- when they book him, um, and it's frustrating. I'm thrilled for Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. He deserves it massively. He's um, Hell of a worker, hell of a guy. Top lad. My yeah, top lad. My fellow Celt. Uh, very pleased for him. Obviously, he's the first British WWE champion as well. Um, unfortunately, I believe that his first opponent will probably be Jinder Mahal. But there we go. <laughs> the three MB triple threat. Let's no, I think <laughs> if you look back, um, particularly in recent history. Uh, after WrestleMania, they often give the the champion a opponent, you know, who's he's gonna beat. But it's just like a like a almost like a soft feud, like a placeholder. Yeah, it's like so. It's naughty. like Daniel Bryan had Kane, Seth Rollins had um, Baron Corbin. Yeah, Baron Corbin, Big Show as being one, I think, as well. It's it's, it's a bit frustrating. Dare I say, lazy again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that's a good point. That's a good play. Like, you have but then, in another way, in another way, the the promos and the and the the story behind it could be interesting. But then I also think, do we want to draw attention to the fact that Drew was in this stable of jobbers all those years ago? I mean, Drew mentions in every damn interview, so yeah. I suppose <laughs> and yeah, but... he he's like is super entertaining, so you know he could add to it as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, and, and and Jinder Mahal's and due to come back anytime, and they love him. So I can't I, I can't wait to you know we me and you do the next podcast and we when 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 Jinder makes Drew McIntyre do the job, don't hinder the gender. Let's get it. Jinder <laughs> can't Jinder Mahal the man who forgot, <laughs> his, forgot his own finishing move. <laughs> But the uh, the the what some what some would say is the real main event of night two at WrestleMania. We had the Firefly Funhouse. We had Bray Bray Wyatt versus uh, John Cena. Similar to how the other matches, we are gonna break this down bit by bit. So, so just give me your you know your short recaps as we oh, go along. Bro, I, could, uh, I could do a two hour podcast just on this match. So we uh so first of all to kick things off, we had the great video package. Of course, we saw that on the kickoff show. Uh, WWE always does great with these video packages, but we got John Cena coming out doing his regular entrance. And then next thing you know, John Cena goes up to the main screen and says, welcome to Wrestle Moon. And then the whole thing just goes black. And then we see clips of Mean Gene, see clips of Vince McMahon repeatedly saying, uh, you know, welcome to WrestleMania. And then John Cena ultimately ends up inside the Firefly Funhouse. He goes through the back door. And that's when uh, this whole thing 
just goes completely, completely uh, something that I did not think was going to happen. It was crazy as hell. Um, one of the things was that John Cena and Bray Wyatt were in a gym and they were working out and he was calling him Mr. He was calling him Mr. Lamb something. It was crazy. It was funny as hell. Uh, Sasa, so, so what did you think about how they got to the Five Five Funhouse match? Like the whole introducing this walk of the WrestleMania and then he, him and Bray Wyatt working out in the gym and then we'll get to the other stuff, of course. After that. Um, I liked that they had seen when they had seen her in the ring, and um, Bray came up, and you know the fun house music comes, and I liked that they did like a little kind of explainer where and kind of said like, um, in the fun house is is different and it's where the monsters and the demons live and all this sort of thing to kind of separate it from the like you know like the real world if you like um i just thought it was act- the storytelling um and the rewards for long-term viewers in this like you're talking six years of storytelling um in this whole thing was it's just unbelievable so uh yeah before john cena went to the workout session with uh bray Wyatt when he was in that dark room he was confronted by none other than puppet vince mcmahon and vince mcmahon asked john cena sir do you have ruthless aggression and continuously ask John Cena that and, you know, basically just, you know, doing a parody of the Vince McMahon. I think that Vince McMahon puppet is hilarious. That is great. So funny. That is hilarious. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they Cena, uh, Cena, you know, Cena just looking at the puppet Vince McMahon like he's crazy. Uh, Vince, you know, continuously asking him, do we got ruthless aggression and stuff like that? Uh, they said, do you have enough ruthless aggression to make the necessary sacrifices of mind, body, and soul to be a success in this company? Show me or you're fired. And, you know, I, th- I think that was funny as hell. And then, sir, right after that, we transition into 2002. John Cena making his debut with the signature trunk, signature boots to the hometown the hometown, the whatever he's at, <laughs> with the SmackDown fist in the background. I don't know why they they obviously got that thing in storage. I don't know why they yeah, never broke that out. Uh, but, but but tell me, what was your initial thoughts when you saw John Cena come out with the uh, his his old gear? Because I, I laughed like yeah, I thought it was hilarious. I um I didn't laugh at this point because I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I saw the SmackDown fist and I saw the ruthless aggression tights and I was just like, this is some weird trippy shit, and. And then, uh, like, I will talk about it. But like, as it progressed, I was just like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever watched." Mm-hmm. It was just so good. So then, uh, Cena came into the ring. Uh, him and Bray Wyatt talked back and forth, and all Cena can say, all he can say, is ruthless aggression. <laughs> and he tries to swing on Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt ducks. Doesn't take too kindly to that. Cena says it again. That's because that's all he can say is ruthless aggression. And then Bray Wyatt says, you can look, but you can't touch. We all know what that is from. That is from, who is that from, Sai? Whose theme song That's is that? That's from uh, Nikki Bella's theme song. And who is she? And, uh, she is the, the person he proposed to at WrestleMania. John Cena did. She said yeah. yes. And then they split up. And now she's with a beautiful family. Craig is, isn't she? Yep. Yep. Uh, and yeah, John and Cena. And I think that is fair play to John Cena. Not just we're, to, we're allowing to, it, yeah, yeah, yeah man. And some of the other stuff which they touched upon, both guys um, deserve tremendous credit for the way they, you know, they were open to it and 
I just thought it was exciting. You know, it's just yeah, I I I, I, I commend you for bringing that up. Big big ups to Cena for even agreeing with that because I I'm pretty sure that's a touchy subject. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like God, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I know that's a toughy, touchy subject. But yeah, uh, one thing that I really like, and I know I'm, I really want to get your thoughts on this, was Bray. Because um, I know we've heard Cena speak about this in documentary before where he said he doubted himself a lot. And Bray asked him, he was like, you sure this is what you want to do with your life? Like, you sure this is what you really want to do? And you get the flashbacks of Cena, you know, holding the belts when he was a kid and, you know, uh, saying he wanted to be a professional wrestler. And Bray was like, yeah, like you, like I don't, I don't think you really cut out for this. Like maybe you should, you should, you should go now. Like what, what did you think about Bray touching in on those initial doubts about John Cena that Cena really had, like early in his career when he was really about to get fired and from WWE? Well, I think this is the point where it's clear that the whole thing is based around like the psychological. Uh, it's like a psychological, not torture, but like a psychological hell for John Cena as he as bray wyatt's um playing with his fears and his anxieties throughout his career the things that have really bothered him and what he's worried about and is 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 you know there's a, a lot to cover in it um and i just think that um i can't explain what i mean i just mean like the <clears throat> the way that is portrayed at this point and then it makes it clear for the rest of the the rest of the, the segment or the match or whatever you want to call it is that john cena's this is all about john cena's psychological torture mm-hmm. and uh, and bray wyatt really breaking john cena and also john cena finally letting the fiend and bray wyatt in which he didn't do all those years ago back in uh, WrestleMania 30, wasn't it? Hey, can, um, can we get can we get a chef's kiss for this? Uh, can we get a chef's kiss? It was beautiful. But uh, ne- next up, we had Bray Wyatt and John Cena in the gym. And one thing that I really think a lot of people, you know, didn't catch on this one was, you know, this idea that you got to be like, like specifically back when John Cena was first starting out, you had to be this big jacked up dude with all the muscles to get ahead. And that's when you see John Cena like they they speed it, they sped it up, obviously. But you see John Cena like working out hard as hell, like trying to be this big guy with no personality and Bray Wyatt yeah. Bray Wyatt says that's what being a stud is all about having muscles no matter what little talent what no matter what talent you possess you know what I'm saying and, and that's mm. what John Cena was he didn't have a character and he, all he was was just this big dude and, and yeah. I think that, that 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 was like and for, first of all none of this is getting clear without Vince McMahon let, 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 let's get that straight like oh yeah because that because that's like a direct shot at Vince McMahon obviously uh you know what what, what did you think of them actually like touching on that and like then Bray Wyatt saying that all you had to do was be this big dude and and touching on John Cena saying like that's all Cena was because that's really what he was for most of the beginning part of his career was just a body dude yeah he says um basically it's implied that because he was gay he was going to be fired but because of his body and because of his size he was given another chance um and it's that old school thinking um that you know has only recently in recent years gone away in WWE that no matter how talented or not talented you are, if you had the size and the mus- muscles and the look, that look which Vinnie Mac loves, then that was enough. Whereas Bray Wyatt had to go away and 
you know, he had to use his talent and he had to create chances, uh, opportunities for himself and he had to reinvent himself, etc. Um, John Cena relied on his size and you have the Saturday night's main event and uh, <laughs> the exercising and it's just and then after, And then after that, sir, we had the arrival of the doctor of Thugonomics, Mr. John Cena. He came in the ring. You know, did his whole little thing with Bray Wyatt said, oh, put these nuts on your face and pulled out a pack of peanuts and threw it at Bray Wyatt. Uh, and he tried to like, you know, he, he hit Bray Wyatt with a, with a bar. Like, I think he, he, you know, he made like a real, you know, real jab at Bray Wyatt. And then Bray Wyatt said something back to him. And like, he, he like really caught him with a good one. And then seeing this like stopped and looked at himself. And then all he could do was rap. Like, that's all he yeah. could do. Like he couldn't respond. Like you could tell the comment got to him, but like his initial thing as being this Doctor Thugonomics character was, I gotta respond to the rap. Like I gotta get him with a, I gotta get with a ram that rams. You know what I'm saying? And I, I really like that that they added in like that little touch. Yeah, man, it was it was just awesome. Um, and it was like, like obviously the Doctor of Thug- Thugonomics, uh, his character got over because of the edgy raps and stuff like that. They made him, the fans loved it. Um, but he also, it is um, promos. He often did damage the portrayal of his opponents. Or the I heard of them personally. Him. Yeah, making yeah, personal man. comments. And and, and and just to touch on that, Bray Wyatt, he went at John Cena professionally. John Cena went at him personally. And like you yeah. just said, that's a lot of what Cena did. Even though it was a, you know, a scripted thing, you know that stuff still you know he, these these people bro you know what i'm saying yeah, like he, he called him like a you know called him a slut for opportunity blowing every chance yeah you know, i love like, that when he said and then bray white says opportunity and he like he gets really serious like, and offended by it that that john cena would have the the audacity to to sort of compare their opportunity the chances right. they've had and the opportunities they've had it was, oh, it was so good it was so good yeah, it, it definitely was. I I really like that. Uh, and you know, he compared him to Husky Harris. You know, comparing him to the the character of old. You know, you know, basically making jokes about Bray Wyatt, calling him a loser. You know, stuff like that. And Bray Wyatt yeah. points out, you know, he said that he had to work opportunities. He had to work for opportunities, and you know, having them taken away, stuff like that, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I think he said something along the lines of like, he's like, you're not a hero, John. You're a bully. You're a horrible person. You take the weaknesses of others and you turn them into jokes. You do anything for fame, John. Congratulations. You're the man now, John. Uh, Paul Lonely Cena. And, you know, we see the, the clips of John Cena, you know, winning multiple championships and, you know, all that all that good stuff. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I think this was, like, very, very well done, the, the doctor of uh, of Thug and Nami's character. Would, so tell me just, you know, what did you – I know you already explained it previously, but just your thoughts about this – this particular segment overall just a quick wrap up before we get um, into the next thing so the other thing i thought was um like the, the kind of whole point of this segment but all of it is is everything which john cena has been saying in the build-up to wrestlemania about uh bray wyatt being overhyped and selfish and and the various other ways he described him as this is going on you can see that being flipped around on him. So he's realizing, or it's Bray Wyatt's telling him that he's the overhyped one. He's the one who has, hasn't has got as much talent as he thinks. And he's the one who's selfish and um, 
it's just like I say, it's so beautifully done, but mm. it's it's not like in your face. It's not corny. You it's yeah. It's like subtle, subtle that it's you've you've, you've got to you got to watch twice. Yeah, you got to watch it twice. You've got to be intelligent enough to put it all together. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I that's what I like about that. I like that it's trusting that the audience is clever enough to work out what you know what this means and what this is and what this Easter egg is and what is this referring to and and oh this that's from this many years ago and I just and, and, and I, without, I enjoy that and, and without over explaining it uh, that, that, that's something I really liked uh, and then we transitioned over sir to WrestleMania 30 we had Bray Wyatt sitting in his chair with the old Hawaiian jacket I mean the old Hawaiian shirt sitting down in the chair and one and one of the things you know of course they flash back to the WrestleMania match uh, that they had in WrestleMania 30. Cena was wearing the exact same gear that he was wearing at WrestleMania 30. Bray Wyatt was wearing something similar to what he was wearing uh, at that event. One thing that I really liked about Bray Wyatt, a quote from this uh, from this segment, and it, it kind of hit me like just a personal note, because sometimes I could feel like this. Sometimes he said, I was the color red in a world full of black and white, saying that he was completely different, and Cena took everything away from him in that moment. And in, in hindsight, being 2020, he kind of did. But I know me and you talked about this on the previous podcast. Yeah, let, yeah. Let, 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 let's say Bray Wyatt won, and he did beat Cena, and he was the one to go win the WWE title like Cena did. And then Bray Wyatt would have got jobbed out to Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam 2014. I don't think Bray Wyatt would be the same person he is today if that would have happened to him. He isn't. But then also, Bray Wyatt was – when Bray Wyatt came into the main roster – he was completely different to everyone else on the roster. He was like something we hadn't seen in a very long time. His promos were different. His look was different. Um, and he had, coming into WrestleMania, he had so much momentum with the crowd. They were singing. You got the whole world in your hands. Um, everyone was behind him. And then John Cena took it all away in one night. Yep, and then uh, one one point during this match, Cena, uh, Ray Wyatt kind of, you know, um, better words, like rewrote the history. He had set Cena up for the sister Abigail. He said, nope, that's not going to do it. And then they screen cut out. He came back on. Bray Wyatt had a, chan- a chair in his hand, flashback to WrestleMania 30, slid the chair right over to John Cena, told him to do it. Begs and him to do it. Be- begs him to do it. And I, 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 I like really, really – really like this a lot and then all of a sudden Sai, we hear the nwo flash and we get the the thing that everybody you know that, that m- m- most people ask for and then the one thing that cena sort of never did in his career was turn heel and that's yeah. what that, this, that that's what this was it was the you know that course they had bray Wyatt in the ring acting like he was eric bischoff and then introducing hulk hogan aka John Cena and Cena came out with the belt and did the whole, you know, the air guitar with the with, yeah. with the big gold belt and stuff Too like sweet. that. And and, and and that was just another thing, like um, you know, so, he, he turned heel. That's basically what it was. An imaginary heel turn that Bray Wyatt so did. Here's a question for you then. Um, all the other people who have faced the fiend and Bray Wyatt since he became the fiend have ended up changing their characters. If this isn't John Cena's retirement, because I saw someone make a good case for the fact that we'll never see John Cena wrestle another match again. Um, I don't think that'll happen, but it was interesting. 
um, will we see a, if not a necessarily an NW like an NWO by name, could we see a heel John Cena lead a super stable of stars on when he comes back? And could this have been like a the heel yeah, like the Easter egg or the hint towards it? No, so see, when what... he when he comes back, say like Roman Reigns is about to beat whoever for the title, and that other the the other person he's fighting has got someone you know helping him out to win, and then Cena's music hits, and everyone thinks he's coming to save Roman, and he nails Roman with a chair. Roman loses, and that's the beginning of. Now, see what 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 I what I think is really about to happen as far as if Cena does come back is he just going to be that guy that's going to be you know, taking out all the young guys like that thinks they're entitled to something in WWE. Like every young guy who really thinks that they're like deserving. The to a legend killer. Exactly. That he's going to be taking out all the young. I think that's going to be perfect. So we so we get to the next thing. Uh, Cena's in the ring. And, of course, we have Vince sitting at the table next to Macho Man Randy Savage, who was Mercy the Brother. And Vince said, this is such good shit. That was hilarious. Was I, the I love greatest moment. <laughs> that is just so self-aware, and that's what I loved about um, this whole thing. Is it's not only clever and great storytelling, and make no mistake, you know it is a bit campy and funny and entertaining, but the storytelling is so good, and this was just so self-aware that Vince would like allow that in. Which is basically a meme of him that he always says, which is true. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, as we see that, we see Bray Wyatt beating the crap out of, I mean, John Cena beating the crap out of Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt eventually transforms into the Husky Harris pig doll. And all you see is Bray, John Cena punching the, the, the doll. And then right after that, we see like a cutaway to some of Cena's greatest failures. It's a list right here that they have on uh, uprocks.com. A fantastic write-up recap of this they have. So in the quick cutaway, you see the "If Cena Wins, We Ride" poster from ECW. We got Edge yeah. casting in on John Cena. We have uh, Cena losing to Shawn Michaels on Raw. We got him losing the WWE title to Batista. Losing to the Miz. CM Punk's goodbye kiss at uh, Money in the Bank. Uh, Cena upset after losing to The Rock. Losing to Randy Orton. Uh, getting squashed by Brock Lesnar. Um, losing to AJ Styles at SummerSlam. Uh, losing to Roman Reigns and losing to Undertaker. So you had all that in a flash of like 20 seconds, like all Cena's greatest losses and all that yeah. stuff. And then as soon as, that, soon as that's over, we have John Cena in the ring with himself, okay. reg, reg, regular, regular John Cena with his, you know, wristbands, signature wristbands on, and he sees Husky the pig, uh, you know, sitting there, he beat the crap out of him. And like that was, you know, that that's basically establishing that scene, like it was that, coming to the mad moment that Cena's a bad guy. He's yeah, bad guy. and he just he played it really well because he looks broken. He looks when he's in the ring and he comes back and he's in the ring um, and he looks like a guy who's lost everything like mentally. He's just staring at the ground and he just looks like he's coming to this realisation, like you say that, that he's the bad guy not Bray Wyatt and not the fiend um, and i just love the the touch and then so right after that uh yeah we had the fiend in the ring he chokes john cena out pins him one two three and then 
John Cena disappears and then the lights cut off. They cut back Don't forget, on. though, that when the Fiend pins him in the mandible claw, Funhouse Bray makes the count. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was a nice touch. Yeah, that, that was a nice touch. And then right after that's over, they cut out Titus O'Neil. I love this part. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't know what to say. And that is the end of the Firefly Funhouse match. Just so good. That was so, excellent. It was exceptional, mate. And um, like, you know, everyone who listens to this show and watches this show, it, I'm a Bray Wyatt mark. I love everything on the whole that he does. Um, but for me, it's the, the, the intricacies of it all, the storytelling, the, the callbacks, the, the, the self-awareness, the creativity, John Cena's acting, uh, Bray Wyatt's creativity, everything about it is special. Um, and this is like, even though I saw some people saying, you know, it's not a match, so it shouldn't count or this, that, and the other. And I was like, this was so creative, man. And like, when you think of the situation they're in, whereby, you know, you've got this global pandemic virus, so they, they needed to come up with something different. Their backs were against the wall a bit. You can't tell me that a one-on-one match between Cena and Bray Wyatt would have been better than this. Would have told these stories as well as they did with this Mm-mm. segment. The, the, this was exactly what it needed to be. And the Fiend is back. And that's all I got to say. He is back. Oh, he, yeah. He has recovered from his loss against Goldberg. Yep. And all is well and in plus- the world. You get to have a picture of Bray Wyatt and John Cena, two sweeting each other, whilst wearing NWO um, gear, mm. which is mm-hmm. a fantastic meme to have. And also, you get a two or three second clip of a puppet of Vince McMahon saying, "That's such good shit, pal." I got, I gotta go screen record that meme. Actually, what, you know, what more do you need? I'm gonna change my Twitter picture to 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 bray white and john cena too sweet in each other I'm, because I'm, i just gotta do it i'm i am like for sure for sure about to go save that meme because that is hilarious but yeah everybody yes. that is the two nights wrestlemania event we have raw tonight friday night smackdown will be live on friday nxt AEW this week it's gonna be good. It's gonna be interesting to see what they do because, like, normally the Raw after Mania, I'm normally so hyped for. It's one of my favorite days, like wrestling days of the whole year. But I just don't see it being the same. I don't think. I just don't. I don't see them. Do you see them bringing bringing people up? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but do you, like they normally bring up like a couple. Do you see them doing that or? Nah, because NXT is part of the main roster now, so it's like, you know. I think in not this year, but I think in years going forward, they should actually um, do the draft on the the week after Raw after WrestleMania mm. as like a reset, um, like a to reset the year, like the season, if you like. Now, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they announced the shake up tonight. So 
it's gonna be good. I'm looking forward to it. Um, overall, WrestleMania. Such good shit. <laughs> WrestleMania was way, and I mean, way, way better than I thought it was gonna be. Um, and for that, I'm thankful. It took my mind off everything. Um, so, like, that's you know, to me, that's that's cool. Um, if you had to give it a mark out of ten, what would you give it? Eight point five. What was your favourite match out of the two nights? Besides the gimmick matches? No, no, including all of the matches. Oh, the five five fly house match. Uh, so I, my next question was going to be: Do you did you prefer the five fly fun house or the boneyard match? The five five fly fun house match for sure, but it's just so super. What was your favourite part of the five fly fun house match? The Vince McMahon. Such good shit, pal. <laughs> That is hilarious, and, and just knowing the fact that he that he approved that that that's what makes it even more funny. It it, it 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 would have been more funny if he would have voiced it over himself. That would have been hilarious. But you know, you get what you can get. Um, okay, and to finish us off, what would you do with the fiend next? Hmm. Who is really left? I'll take him off TV for a while, like two months after that. After I mean, that success, I mean, I, I mean what, what, what else do you want? Put him on TV just to put him on TV? Like, I think you should come up with something valuable or somebody else so, for him to change. Like, who 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 else is there for him to change on SmackDown? I was gonna say, who else has he feuded? Who has he feuded before he was the fiend? Who's Bray Wyatt feuded with? Well, it can't be Moxley, so <laughs> no, so who could it be? I'm trying to think who he's feuded with. Mm. I can't think of anyone. He already changed Seth Rollins. Already changed Finn Balor. Oh. I do not really know. Like I'm telling, I just keep him on TV for a while. Telling, or 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 if you can't, if you're not gonna do that, start the recruitment. Yeah, I'd be down for like a stable of, like him collecting, um, like a super, like not super stable, but. You collect in maybe like underused stars. Like maybe he brings in Bro Dallas and Curtis Axel because remember him and Matt Hardy used a few with the B team. So yeah. So if you that. if you had the fiend create like a stable of underused characters and made them have like a dark edge and embrace their darkness, and so they became like something better and we you know started winning matches um it would be interesting if the fiend had a stable and then john cena turned heel and had his own super stable come survivor series but you know i'm, I'm, I'm looking at bray wise cage match bro he wrestled matt hardy on the house show loop for a whole year jesus christ but uh yeah that was that that was that. It was good. Um, it's now twenty-five to one in the morning. I had Jeez. two. I had two hours sleep last night. I am very tired. That is good shit. <laughs> good, good shit, pal. Andrew, tell the people where they may find you on the social. Uh, eighty Thompson underscore underscore. Find me on the YouTube Andrew Thompson interviews. Got another one Custom. coming out. Custom URL. Custom URL, officially. So, yeah, go check me out right there. And, you know, all my work over at 
the post wrestling site. Indeed, it's very good. It's, it's good shit. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, you can find me at on Twitter and Instagram at AceCast underscore Nation, Facebook.com slash AcePodcast uh, Nation, and uh, YouTube.com slash AcePodcast Nation. Please subscribe, click the bell for notifications, and you can also find audio versions of everything at your usual podcasting apps and radio platforms. Andrew, thank you for joining me, my friend. No problem. It's been a pleasure. I'm looking a bit disheveled now and a bit tired, but I appreciate Looks like your you just time, got my brother. Up my house. Yeah, I feel like it. I'm like, <laughs> ooh, trippy, boy. But um, I'm, I'm ready to bed now. My hair's falling out. I'm so tired. Look, there you go. <laughs> my long hair. Um, I had a good, good time, Andrew, talking to you again. It's always a good time, my friend. Hold on, brother. I just done. I've just done four hours of podcasting this evening, and um, apart from the amount of pain I'm in, I had a good time because I was joined by good people. Guys, we will see you next time. We'll be, uh, I think we said next week, wasn't it? Yeah, when they, yeah, when uh, AW and NXT do the double title matches. So good shit, pal. Play that, play that meme one more time before I play the outro. Here we go. Here we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.